Season 7 and time for the wrestling show to take a very cynical look back at a week of wrestling with your most fickle host, Lip Hazlywood, where we take a look at the big three. That's Monday Night Raw, the NXT, and Friday Night Smackdown, and in that very particular order as well, listeners. Now, there's only one thing left to do, and that's to say, Shabba It's time to start the wrestling show. So if you will please, take it away, and let's go. This just in. It's that time again for the wrestling show to take a very cynical look back at representing the WWE and live from the Capital One Arena in Washington, D.C. It's Monday Night Raw. Air date, November the 13th, 2023. This episode is, of course, the Road to Survivor Series. And Survivor Series is the home of... uh, War Games! So, uh, let's hit that wonderful music and let's go. One, two, one, two, three. Lip really loves wrestling. He likes to talk about it too. If you like to watch wrestling like he do, come and join us on the wrestling show. On the wrestling show, on the wrestling show, oh, oh, baby. Oh, Wilbo. Wilbo, welcome to the wrestling show. I'm your most fickle host, Lip Hazlywood, and uh, this is a very cynical look back at uh, the latest episode of Monday Night Raw. Now, before we dive into the big show today, a big show today, just a quick shout out to the non-competitors. They are the glue that holds the building together. First, representing the uh, general manager, it's Adam Pierce. Next, um, getting all the pre-match interviews and all the backstage scoops, it is, of course, uh, Jackie Redmond. And of course, heading into the ring with the announcer, letting everybody know who's about to fight and the results of such matches. We've got Samantha Irving. And last, but certainly not least, it's the commentary crew. It's the play-by-play guys. The hosts. And I even call them the narrators of the whole damn show. They are a team of... He's he's my personal favorite. And I think he's one of the best out there in general. Um, He's, I believe, a future Hall of Famer. He's a man with a raspy yet soothing voice. I think, I believe, hyper-intelligent. Well, anyways, he's very intelligent. He seems very intelligent to me. I got a personal man crush on this guy, clearly. It's Wade Barrett. And backing up Wade Barrett, as usual, it's uh, the man with over 25 years of experience. It's Michael Cole. Now, without any further ado's, let's get started with the show. And we start with, oh my goodness. Oh, my lord. Wrestling has more than one royal family. That's right. 
Rockets Cody Rhodes Start Your show When it's like Ooh 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 I got a rumbling In my bowels And I think I'm gonna blow There's a bathroom stall I'm finally here the toilet's there, I'm about to blow I ate five tacos before the show Shut the door and I sit down on the throne Oh, whoa I was never party trained When I was younger My father was never there I did a perfect day, don't have to do That's right we got uh, Cody Rhodes coming down there, and he's got a lot to say. First of all, he's, uh, I'm Cody Rhodes, and I would like to talk, and what would you like to talk about, Washington, D.C.? And Cody Rhodes talks about, of course, memories and making memories and stuff like that, uh, moments and whatnot. And tonight he says uh, that another memory he wants to make is the fact that Cody Rhodes and Jay Uso will be making memories by reclaiming the Tag Team Championship gold from Judgment Day. But as for now, Judgment Day and uh, Cody Rhodes got some business to take care of over at uh, Survivor Series War Games. They got a war game match on. So, Cody Rhodes, we, I guess he wants to get everybody on the same page, so he gets his team out. He calls out his team. That's right. First off, it's... Uh, I love cheese moose with my French bread cheese moose with my French bread cheese moose with my French bread when I fill my belly up I usually just go to bed Ooh, that's right Jey Uso comes out there with theme song by me baby and of course it's uh Sammy Zane comes out there. And then last but not least, it is boom boom boom. Whoa, 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 whoa. I won't be doing this for the whole show. Just singing. But it's Seth Rollins! And everybody sings his song, baby. Sings his song. You know, uh, so they're trying to get on the same page, apparently. Cody Rhodes trying to get on the same page, saying how this relationship between Sami Zayn has been good ever good from the start. Jey Uso, it just got good. But Seth Rollins, their relationship is not good. Seth Rollins does not care for Cody Rhodes. Not just yet, anyway. Now, before they can set anything up, talk about anything, really, got ourselves a little bit of a... Uh, uh -oh. Judgment Day! Mm -hmm. It's, uh, you know, Finn Balor gave me free stomach and well, DJ. Well, your mom told me the other day that you're never home for pie. So I promised her in early May I'll make a pie. That's right, the Judgment Day, and like I say, it's uh, Finn Balor, da um, Damien Priest, Dominic Mysterio, and JD McDonough, and they're talking about first, they're saying that, who'd win in this match? Uh, Damien Priest like, 
Oh, well, you guys are just a group of random guys. We're a family. We're a happy family. He didn't say that. But he says, we're a family, and we got, uh, you know, our chance of winning are better because of that. And, you know, the whole thing, they're cutting each other down. You know, they're building up the whole thing for uh, the Survivor series. And it comes down to this. Seth Rollins is enough to, to talk and time for the fighting. We're all dressed. Most of us are dressed for a fight. Most of us anyways, you know. So when he calls for a match, he wants a tag team match right then and there. It's He wants uh, um, Sami Zayn and Seth Rollins himself to fight Dominic Mysterio and J.D. McDonough. Because after all, there is a tag team match later on tonight, and that's the other two going to be in it. So, of course, this is the other remaining two of the Judgment Day. He wants to take them on, and what takes them on right away. And during the commercial break, it is the general manager, Adam Pierce. He makes it he makes it so. Like Captain Picard, make it so. So he does. And, uh, yes, the match. Now, before we get on to the match... One thing I gotta say about WWE tag teams, other than NXT, NXT's pretty darn good. The WWE regular tag teams, uh, they don't care about tag ropes. Tag ropes don't matter. Refs don't care if you use tag ropes or not. Refs are pretty much there just to count one, two, three, or the submission. That's it. You know, they don't disqualify. They don't do that stuff. It's not in refs' genes. It's, it's ridiculous. Um, so yeah, tag ropes don't matter. I think for sure this uh, they should have proved it that uh, maybe they don't shouldn't use tag ropes at all. Now, tag ropes were used now and then, but that's ridiculous to say. Oh, we would use it now and then, not all the time. Come on, it's either all the time or never. I say they use uh, the ropes, or uh, not ropes, but uh, the, the floor itself is zoned out. So you've got a proper tag zone. Where if you're in a tag zone, you can tag in and out without the ropes. Who needs ropes? I think that's how it should be done. So yeah, I mean, like, the only people who really tagged was, uh, you know, every now and then... Uh, Seth Rollins would use the ropes and uh, JD McDonough. You know, everybody else just don't care. Rope rules? What rules? Are there are rules in this match? Doesn't seem so. Um, so here we go. <clears throat> during halfway during the match, it gets so bad that uh, JD McDonough and uh, Dominic Mysterio decide to take a powder, decide to leave. But it's, uh, of course, uh, you know, Sami Zayn and Seth Rollins go out there, retrieve them, throw them back in the ring there. And they go on some more. They fight on some more. You know, you got some, even a, a double, uh, like, uh, a tangent, tope suicida. That's right. When the Judgment Days are outside the ring, they throw them outside the ring again, and uh, they do a double to a tandem tope suicida. Now, it's like, okay, whose tope suicida is better? At the same time now, they're both great at, uh, do, you know, high-flying. Seth Rollins chooses the between the second and third rope, flies through it. Sami Zayn, over the top, baby. The hardest, most complicated tope out there. Mm -hmm. This is uh, ricochet level, baby. So yeah, the match goes on. Match goes on. It's a lot of fun, I gotta say. Um, <clears throat> now we got a point here. It's Seth Rollins gets tagged in the ring. And he starts beating up some Dominic Mysterio. They fight onto the ropes there. And then that's where J.D. McDonough decides to hold down Seth Rollins. Now, technically, that's a disqualification, disqualifying move there. Because uh, the referees, this is uh, cheating, straight up cheating. So, you know, referee, there's not, nowhere near someone's decide to uh, distract a referee for this cheat, you know. I mean, is it just getting lazy? Who knows? Yes. 
So Sami Zayn had it. He pulls off, uh, you know, JD McDonough, rams him head first into the ring post. That's it for enough for JD. They fight inside the ring for more bit, for more bit. And so because this beat where, um, you know, Sami Zayn and Seth Rollins destroy, you win. So, of course, Dominic Mysterio, he gets power bombed, uh, buckle bombed, getting ready for the big corner stomp. But here's where everything goes out of hand. This is where Finn Balor and, uh, you know, Damien, Dominic, uh, Damien Priest come in there and uh, take out Seth Rollins, pulls him from the ring and beat him up. And that's where it gets a DQ happens, disqualification, this match does not end. Like with the natural, natural does not have a natural ending. It is disqualification, you know. So it was a lot of fun. Ten and a half minutes of this good wrestling until the ending, until disqualification, and then of course we got ourselves a brouhaha because now we got ourselves the entire, almost the entirety of Judgment Day out there. You know, actually the entirety of Judgment Day because Rhea Ripley's out there too, you know. And then we got ourselves Cody Rhodes and Jey Uso jump in the fray, start fighting. So you got yourself a big, big brawl happening outside the ring, you know. Everybody's all fighting. And then Adam Pierce and a bunch of officials come out there. They've had it. Adam Pierce is worried. He's like, we got another match coming up here. And it's going to be a, for the tag team championship. And we can't have it happening like this. We got to have a finish for this match, you know. We got to have a proper ending. So in this match here, we're going to have uh, everybody who's not involved with the uh, tag match to be not just barred from ringside, barred from the stadium. Mm -hmm. So he puts his foot down right there. And then they go to break. When they get back from break, it is Rhea Ripley arguing with Adam Pearce, arguing who is actually in charge. Is the Judgment Day in charge of Raw? But Adam Pearce saying, I am the general manager of Raw. I am in charge of Raw. That's that. And then uh, Zoe Stark's music hits, you know, so she comes down to the ring there. And she's got a match with uh, Rhea Ripley coming up, coming up shortly, you know. And so she's setting him there by saying that, you know what, you got so much on the plate, Rhea Ripley. You just can't handle, I'm, that's where I'm going to beat you, because you got so much to think about. You won't see me coming, so to speak. But Rhea Ripley, you don't understand. I might be doing a lot of things, juggling a lot of things, but I'm bloody Rhea bloody Ripley. She said something in the lines like that. I'm bloody Rhea, bloody Ripley. And yeah, yeah. She can handle all of it. You know, the dead mother of the uh, Judgment Day, of course. So, of course, they fight for a little bit. They try to fight. But Rhea Ripley escapes the ring. Escapes! And it's like uh, Zoe Stark's, I got me eye on you! With no accent, because she doesn't have an accent. Now, speaking of uh, accents, we got ourselves Shinsuke Nakamura with the segment, with the smegment, talking about someone's someone's uh, end, someone's going to get seriously punished, but he doesn't say who it is going to be. But someone, um, it ends for somebody, it ends uh, by the hands of Shinsuke Nakamura. And after that, we go backstage. A little bit of the uh, Cody Rhodes he wants to, has a couple of things to say to, uh, you know, Seth Rollins. He wants to clear the air for, uh, just for the, what's that, uh, war games. You know, it's like, you may not like me. He's like, no, I don't like you. I probably never will like you. But I do respect you. So respect's going on around there. So for war games, it will be ego aside. And we can be a team. We can be a team for war games. That's a forever series. So that's good. So next up, we got ourselves our very first match. 
actually very second match. It is representing the Alpha Academy, it's Otis! And with Otis, is of course, it's the Alpha Academy of uh, Chad Gabla, rhymes with Tabla, Maxine Dupri, and Akira Mimezawa, because he's a meme right now, versus Oshinsuke Nakamura. No one backing him up. But of course, it is the Alpha Academy. They don't cheat, so uh, you won't be worried about you know getting your foot tripped because they won't do it. It's like the, uh, you know, chase you goody twos you's out there you know so they fight now here's the thing no matter how good shinsuke makamura is he gets those shots he gets those he gets strikes in there but uh it's otis he's the guy he's a much bigger guy he just picks him up and slams him down every time shinsuke Nakamura gets uh, some uh you know momentum he gets slammed down otis even tries to go for the uh caterpillar but shinsuke slides out of the ring there Otis slams Shinsuke out of the ring. Shinsuke is getting a label. He's getting squashed. He's getting flattened. But Shinsuke's got a tank on him like no other. You know, he can squash him. He can crush him. squash him. He'll get back up. He's like a zombie man. He's like a zombie man. But here we go. Like I say, every time Shinsuke tries to get the upper hand, it is Otis. He picks him up and slams him down. Just slams him down. And then... The feast, uh, the, the feast of the resistance, is Otis actually gets the caterpillar down and finishes with the elbow drop, squashes Shinsuke Nakamura, even picks him up for the world's strongest slam. Shinsuke kicks out of it. He keeps on kicking out. Shinsuke cannot be stopped. You can beat him up, but you can't finish him. Otis then goes to the second ropes for a big old Vader bomb. Big old splash off the second rope. Big old Vader bomb splash. But as Shinsuke puts his feet up, whammo! Clecks Otis on his face. And then he climbs to the second rope with a Kinshasa. Off the second rope, bashes Otis. Otis tries to, uh, you know, brush it off. Then Shinsuke drop kicks the back of his knees, drops down Otis some more. With one more Kinshasa. You know, but this isn't it for Otis. He then goes for a third Kinshasa. Then that puts it out for Otis. It is done for. And then, uh, you know, uh, Shinsuke Nakamura gets into uh, the face of, uh, you know, uh, Chad Gable, where that's his next uh, person to beat. So, yeah, so it is true. Shinsuke Nakamura, after being at the, at the top with uh, Seth Rollins, losing to Seth Rollins, now drop all the way down to the bottom. He had to beat Akira Tozawa. Now he beat uh, Otis. Now he has to beat uh, Chad Gable. Wow. But it is what it is. So now backstage, we have ourselves a little bit of a Drew McIntyre giving some kudos to Seth Rollins with a big old victory over at Crown Jewel. You know, he gives him kudos over uh, being a great champion, a really good champion. And one day with a lot of hard work, a lot of dedication. Drew McIntyre looks to get back on top of the totem pole for a rematch. A possible rematch in the future. And they shake hands like good buddies. Like, uh, you know, bygones be bygones. Hey, let's be professional friends. Professionally, of course. And then next up, we got ourselves a big old match. Big old match. It is, of course, uh, Piper Niven versus Atigan Knox. Piper Niven versus Atigan Knox. Now, uh... 
uh, with Piper Niven is uh, the great Chelsea Green. Now they are combined to make the tag team champions of the women's division. And with Tegan Knox is Natalia Bret Hart, wearing her best of berets. It's my beret! I'm Canadian! And berets are Canadian! Oh, wee wee! Anyways, she didn't say any of that. Um, anyways, this match here. Uh, Tegan Knox, she was, I guess, I thought she was more injured because uh, she was injured enough. So she missed a tag team, a championship opportunity with Natalia. Something happened there, whether she was really injured or she just, just wasn't there. But anyway, so Tika Knox is back from her so-called injury. And this match here was about whew, um, four, almost five minutes, close to five minutes. So it was pretty respectable, I suppose. Pretty respectable. Piper Niven just absolutely smashing the holy hell out of uh, Tika Knox for a bit with the massive Santons just crushing her. You know, doesn't get the victory though. Gets a massive, uh, what's that, uh, the shoulder breaker. Some great moves. But Tegan Ox turns things around. She gets a flying knee on, uh, you know, Pepper Niven. Now here's where things all fall apart a little bit in the match. You know, it's uh, Chelsea Green. She sees her partner in trouble, so she jumps onto the apron. She gets, uh, you know... Tegan knocks his attention. Tegan knocks all complaining. What are you doing over here? Get off the ring, you, you silly, you silly you. So she gets him complaining. Referee goes over there and she starts uh, arguing too. And then it's Natalia. Her beret gets her all beret up in the arms. And so she starts uh, walking down, uh, you know, Chelsea. Because, you know, while in the ring, it's, uh, you know, Pepper Niven taking full advantage and crushing, crushing down, uh, you know, Tegan knocks with a massive lariat. So yeah, this Natalia, she's getting all frustrated with, uh, you know, Chelsea. It's a, you know, tackling Chelsea, just pushing Chelsea off the ring apron there. You know, with her heels, it could be bad on her ankles, I'm telling you what. So she falls off there. And then Piper Niven, she crashes, uh, you know, Natalia off the ring apron. Just poof, poof, knocks her off. Then she turns her attention to, uh, you know, Tegan Knox, she goes for a massive uh, high cross body or, you know, basement high cross on uh, Tegan. Misses completely. And then Tegan turns this around with a massive shining wizard. The shiniest of wizard. You know? And then, before she can get a pin, Piper Niven puts her foot on a rope. That wasn't the end of Piper Niven, which was very interesting. The carries on. The match carries on. Piper Niven, uh, they do things where, uh, I guess uh, Tegan Ox tries to go for a sunset roll-up. Sunset flip roll-up on uh, Piper Niven. Doesn't get her over. Piper Niven tries to go for a sit-down Santon. Misses Tegan Ox. Tegan again goes for a crucifix roll-up. And that's it. Piper Niven gets rolled up. The backwoods, so to speak. Piper Niven taking it in the rear because it is the most embarrassing way to lose a match. That's what I think. The roll-up really. Anyways, we go backstage. We go backstage with some uh, Jackie Redmond and the Miz. And your question is, what drives you to dethrone Gunter? And Miz says, why? A bus. A bus drives me. Drives me here. It drives me there. Miz is such a comedian. He is hilarious. Anyways, he looks to. Uh, he says he looks to put res respect and restore the respect on the Intercontinental Championship title. And I think, you know what, uh, Gunther has already done that. 
Yeah. Although it would be better if Gunther actually wrestles like once a month rather than once every couple. Like, t- champions in the WWE is like long, far. In- I mean, it's like they're from the uh, UFC. Like this is real fighting, so they take months off. Quite literally now. You know. So, anyways, while that's happening, it's uh, Mr. Ivar. Now they got a match for the number one contendership. Ivar versus Miz tonight. So Ivar comes in there and he talks about uh, what a joke he feels. Uh, the Miz is, you know, you're a clown, you're a joke, you know. Um, he's about, you look past this match, you look past me and you're going to lose. You're not going to Survivor Series. And then Bronson Reed comes in there and he talks about how uh, they're both lucky. How Gunther is lucky that uh, Bronson Reed's not in there because he would win, you know, stuff like that. And he gets right in the face of uh, Ivar. And Ivar, with the face wash, with a pie face, he pie faces Bronson Reed. And you do not pie face Bronson Reed because it just does not end. It does not end for you well. Even though Ivar is a big man, he can handle himself. But yeah. And what's that? Valhalla was by them too. Face all painted up, looking like uh, Hawkman. With the most incredible body on a hockey man. Great. Okay, anyways. So now we go to our next match. It is a tag team. No, not tag team. It's a one-on-one match. Representing DIY. I don't even want to say DIY. It's D. Do it yourself. Do it yourself. It is Tommaso Ciampa with Johnny Gargano at his side. Versus Ludwig Kaiser of Imperium with uh, Giovanni Vinci by his side. Now this match was 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 pretty good. It was almost uh, seven minutes in length, so it was a good, uh, respectable length. Respectable. Now it was hard hitting too. Hard hitting, like uh, Tomas Chepa got slapped so hard his gum shot right out of his mouth. You can't chew gum while our matches are on par. Now it comes to a point here. It's a really weird situation here. When the ref doesn't see something, it doesn't happen. And the ref did not see this one. It is, uh, what's that, uh, um, Tommaso Ciampa, he hits those ropes there for, uh, Continental, he goes for Continental there, and when he hits those ropes, well, it is, uh, Giovanni Vinci, he grabs a leg, he stalls, you know, uh, what's that, uh, Tommaso Ciampa for a second there, and then just enough for, uh, Giovanni Vinci, or Ludwig Kaiser, to take over, knock him down. You know, and then of course, Johnny Gargano says, "Hey, hey, he, he, he swiped his leg. Look at he took his leg." And then uh, the referee's like, "Oh, I believe you completely. I didn't see it, but I believe you." And then he kicks out. Uh, Giovanni Vinci gets kicked out. I couldn't believe it. The match goes on, and Ludwig Kaiser he, he starts taking over a lot. He gets uh, you know, chap on his shoulders for uh, fireman's carry. To a rolling, uh, what's that? Uh, Calls it a rolling driver. The fireman's carry cartwheel driver. So it's a rolling driver. Rolling driver says, uh, you know, what's that? Uh, Wade Barrett. Anyways, we got a point here where uh, Kaiser wants to put it away. He goes on his second rope. There he jumps off and gets met in the face with a knee. Knee to the face. And before anything can happen, it is uh, what's uh Giovanni Vinci, he runs back into the ring there. Runs back to the ring to take out Johnny Gargano. Now the referee could have easily have stopped the match. Say, okay, 
you were ejected from the ring here. Disqualification. Um, you, um, what's that? Ludwig Kaiser loses because of uh, Giovanni Minzi broke the rules. But he takes out uh, Johnny Gargano with a big old kick to the face. And before, uh, what's that, uh, you know, Tommaso Ciampa knows when anything's happening, he gets rolled up. He gets rolled up, schoolboy style, backwoods style. That's right, two people in a row. Lose by roll-up. Taking it in the rear is uh, Tommaso Ciampa. Mm -hmm. That's how it is. So then with that, we go backstage again with uh, the Judgment Day. For them, you know, uh, Damien Priest, Dominic Mysterio, Finn Balor, Rhea Ripley about, so what about what you said about you're the leader of Judgment Day? And Rhea's like, you know what, how about this? How about at, uh, at what's that, uh, Survivor Series War Game, you can be the leader at War Games. After that, it's me, baby, the dead mother, Rhea Ripley, as usual, take over again. She didn't say that, but she did say uh, that uh, Damon Priest is the honorary leader of Judgment Day at War Games. And of course, they talked about, uh, what's that, uh, DJ, J.D. McDonough. I don't always know I'm DJ for some reason. J.D. McDonough. And now he's done enough that, that he has a big War Games match at, uh, you know, War Games, uh, you know, at Survivor Series with the Judgment Day. So it's the time to become, J.D. McDonough, become the newest member of the Judgment Day. And uh, Dame Priest like, I'll do that. So now next up is a, is a singles match. It is in women's division. It's Saya Lee versus Indy Hartwell. Now with Indy Hartwell, it is her best friend, uh, Candice LeRae, who gives her some moral support, who was knocked out the other week by uh, Saya Lee with a roundhouse kick. A really lame-looking kick to the head, which uh, knocked uh, Candice LeRae for a loop. And I'm sure they set up uh, Indy Hartwell to know that this kick's going to happen, so prepare yourself. Does she prepare herself? We'll find out. So this match was... Uh, Zaylee, her wrestling skills, I think, is at a very low level. She's punching kick style, really, you know. So she punches and kicks, uh, you know, Indy Hartwell to a corner and whatnot. Indy Hartwell does turn things around with a, a questionable spine buster. Not sure what kind of spine buster it was, but it was lame looking. This match was, it happened, it was, it was, a, it, it was, it was okay, it was good, you know. Fun. Let me say it. It was fun. So it comes down to this. Zia Lee ends up, um, I guess, uh, eyeing up uh, Indy Hartwell for the big spin kick. And she does a spin kick to Indy Hartwell. She gets up kind of, and she's all like, whoa, whoopsie, she's all tipsy and terpsy. And the referee decides, nope, that can't go on. And he calls for the match. I'm like, whoop, that's it. This match was two and a half minutes. Like, Wow. They're really setting up Zia Lee as the next, I guess, powerhouse. She's got the super kick. She's got by a bionic foot. I heard she was it was a child. She she broke her foot so severely. She needs uh, uh what's that? Uh, she needs metal pins. You know, titanium pins in her feet. That's why her feet are so powerfully powerful. Anyways, who knows what their excuse is gonna be. And then it's uh, Becky Lynch. She decides, you know what? Becky Lynch comes out there. It's like, you attacked me last week. Now you said uh, you want you want to fight on your terms. Now it's my terms. So she runs out there. She wants to fight 
Um, Xia Li, so Becky Lynch comes in there. She tries to fight. Becky Lynch tries to get the manhandle slam, but it is Xia Li pushes off and escapes the ring and says, It's my turn! My turn! And they go, Come on now. Come on now. If it was your. I mean, if you would have fought when Becky Lynch wanted to fight you, it would have been for a championship gold. It would have been for a championship match. But because you want you want on your terms, now Becky Lynch is no longer champion. And this match, what what does it mean? It's just for pride? Whatever. You could have had gold. You could have had a gold opportunity. Golden opportunity there. Turning it down. Speaking of golden opportunities, we got ourselves a little bit of Gunter. Gunter talking to, uh, congratulating The Miz. Now this could have been taped anytime, anywhere, you know. But anyways, this talk talk with the Miz and about uh, you know, uh, congratulations, Miz, on winning the Fatal Four Way. This was a definite. This was definitely definitely a surprise to everybody. It's like, oh, that's hilarious. A surprise to everybody. Um, so, anyways, uh, it comes down to this. I wish you good luck on your match with Ivar. You know, but remember, whatever happens to you there won't compare to the beatings I'm going to give to you. <laughs> it's like so true. I mean, I don't think Miz ever got slapped in the chest so hard that the uh, the pores is uh, that this you know hair follicle his hair follicle pores would just squirt blood. Would squirt blood. I think he's gonna bleed. Chest gonna bleed uh, at Survivor Series. Mm -hmm. Anyways, it's gonna be a tough haul for the Miz. So here we go. Next up, we have uh, go backstage, and it's with the uh, Zoe Stark. She's back there with uh, some Shayna Baszler and Raquel Rodriguez, giving her some support about good luck about for her match coming up. You know. Um, so yeah, this is gonna be good because she's got a big hill to climb against uh, Rhea Ripley. But then we got ourselves a party pooper, a party pooper. It's Nia Jax comes in there and she's talking about, you know, lucky that, you know, I could beat everybody up. You and you and you and Raquel gets in her face like, well, if you could beat us all up, why aren't you champion right now? Why aren't you the champion right now, huh? Huh? So they get in each other's face. So that's going to be something big. For another week, it's going to be Raquel versus Nia Jax. That's right. Uh, this should be interesting. Should be interesting to see. Uh, next up. We got ourselves a little one-on-one -on -one match. It's uh, representing the Viking Raiders. It's Ivar with Valhalla. Now Valhalla, she's a good wing person, I suppose. I guess she's like she's like a, the Pharaoh one. <laughs> you know, she's all woman out there, a Pharaoh woman out there. She looks great, the most sexiest woman in Raw. You know. Anyways, what is this? Ivar versus The Miz. And this one here is for a uh, number one contendership for the, uh, you know, I suppose, I think it is, for the, uh, you know, no, Miz is already doing, I'm not sure what's going on with here. It's just a regular match. Miz versus Ivar, because, you know, after the match, where the Fatal 4-Way match, Miz won, Ivar attacked Miz. So I guess this is some uh, revenge, I guess. So this means nothing. You know, I just assumed it was the number one condition. But, you know, that's what you hate when you assume you look like an absolute fool. So, anyways, this match goes on. Ivar is a bigger guy. He starts smashing down the Miz. You know, Miz is every, Miz is, every time Miz attempts to get some offense going on, he gets slammed down. They fight outside the ring there. This very sexy uh, 
Valhalla gets in the face. She, she, she does her thing here. Feral. She's absolute feral. Damn. So she runs up. She makes her poses there. You know. And Miz gets squashed outside with a um, basement high cross. Just really squash him. Now, this could have should have been over there, you know. This is some serious moves. But this is all about the Miz and how much punishment he can endure. This is about how much he can take and that he can carry on just like Shinsuke Nakamura did earlier on against, uh, you know, Otis. So Miz takes on a lot of punishment. You know, now Miz also, here's one move. It's a tilt the world. He gets the tilt world. He flows around. And he ends with the, uh, a tornado DDT's. Ivar. Now, Ivar, that shows how great Ivar is. Ivar is a huge talent. Now, without Ivar's fullest uh, involvement with this move, this, this uh, Tilt-A-Whirl DDT would not have happened. Look great. Ivar made Miz look like a champion. Look like an absolute boss. Now, of course, we had this move here. It's where uh, Ivar, he, uh, it's like uh, a twisting. He picks Grasman, in the world's strongest slam, he twists around and then slams him down. I call it that. Uh, Michael Cole says it's a uh, a sidewalk slam. This wasn't a sidewalk slam. Not even close to a sidewalk slam. Other than it was a slam. This was a world's strongest slam. Uh, tornado style. Twisting style. Michael Cole, you are wrong, sir. Anyways, uh, goes on. You know, uh, we, we got something. It's, uh, now, Miz also does this, um, a Tornado, uh, what's a tornado bulldog in the match? Um, where is that there? Yeah, but before that happens, we got ourselves a little bit of, uh, you know, Bronson Reed. Bronson Reed joins the match. Joins the match while they're all going up. He takes, ends up grabbing a seat and sitting by the commentating area. They fight for a bit there. They even fight outside the ring for a bit. And, uh, yeah, the referee doesn't care how long they're outside the ring for. They're out there for quite a while. Anyways, uh, Miz, he gets, uh, what's that? He gets what the, the Tyler Driver. He gets Tyler Driver out there inside the ring. I couldn't believe did, you know, Ivar, Tyler Driver's the Miz. Double, double underhook, flips him up, pout. Beautiful, beautiful. Now, of course, um, Ivar tries to put it away with the, uh, he tries to do the Bronco Buster. Bah! onto the Miz, but Miz moves and he just misses with that. The Miz, that's when he gets uh, the tornado, um, well, it was tornado ball though, but he ends up getting the DDT later on. The Miz DDT. And then he gets the yes kicks going on. And then here's where it gets weird, uh, where Valhalla tries to help. Ivar pushes Miz off. Referee decides to check on Ivar for some reason. Hey, don't hit a person on the throat. And the Miz, you know, falls outside for a little bit. You see his head goes outside the ring there. And uh, Valhalla gives her a good old punch. One extra good old-fashioned punch to the face. And then, well, the big spot. Miz try to get the old, uh, uh, the what's that, uh, skull-crushing finale on the second rope. And that's where the match should have ended for the Miz where uh, Ivar, with the world's most strongest slam off the second rope, squashes the Miz. Miz kicks out of the world's strongest slam off the second rope. You know, a, a super world's, power, world's most powerful slam. That should have ended it, hands down, you know, without a doubt. But it didn't. Miz kicks out of it. 
Ivar then goes to the top rope for his moonsault, his patented moonsault off top rope would have uh, ended it. Then that's where, uh, you know, Bronson Reed comes in there. He gets distracts uh, Ivar. That's where the end sequence comes in. Miz gets under Ivar with a powerbomb, sets his feet up on the top rope. The referee goes down for the count. The referee's in perfect view of the whole thing. He can see the Miz's feet. Easy. Easy. Decides not to. Miz wins the match. Of course, Miz was going to win it because he's got this big match against uh, Gunther. And there's no way Miz is going to go, you know, uh, towards the Gunther match with a loss. He needs to have momentum. After the match, Ivar gets attacked by Bronson Reed. He gets smashed down. And then it's the tsunami. Ivar gets tsunamied. So this is going to be a match in the future. This is going to be one hell of a match. Now, they fought before in a fatal four-way match, but I think they deserve a match on their own, and they will get it. Ivar versus Bronson Reed will be a banger, absolute banger. I hope this, uh, they have got, I hope it comes to like a rubber match, you know. They each fight each other more than once, you know, it becomes a battle. I think it'd be good, even though it's really for nothing. You know, just for the biggest man, who knows. But it's going to be good. Bronson Reed versus Ivar. I'm looking forward to it, at least. Yep. Uh, then after the big old splash, it's uh, Valhalla. She throws herself on top of uh, Ivar, protecting his body. You know. Big Spoon here protecting Little Spoon. That's right, I said that. That's right. Then it's uh, Bronson Reed takes a powder. And then we go backstage. It's with uh, our very own uh, Judgment Day. Damien Priest and... Uh, J.D. McDonough talks about their history, then talks about the future, and he gives him uh, this, the welcoming gift to Judgment Day, which is J.D.'s own personal leather jacket. He's got his own personal leather jacket, J.D. Mm -hmm. I guess they made it for him. You know, and uh, Finn Balor comes in there and says, like, Hey, everything's good, yes! And then after that, this gets hilarious. We got the little uh, the Imperium. Gunther, he's talking to, uh, you know, Giovanni Vinci. Talks about the great work he did. Very, it's hilarious because Giovanni Vinci was the, uh, he was getting all the slack, losing all time. Gunther getting very upset with his work. But this time he's very happy with what Giovanni did. Without you, uh, we would not have won a match without you. You won the match for Imperium. That's what, you won the match for Imperium. And he turns to face, uh, you know, Ludwig, Ludwig Kaiser. Very disappointed in him, even though Ludwig Kaiser got the win. You know, but it was, yeah, regardless. It was hilarious how things turn. Ludwig Kaiser, it's all hairy for him now. It's hilarious. And speaking of hilarious, we go backstage. It is Otis. He's all upset. <laughs> he lost, you know. And uh, Chad Gable and uh, Meme Zawa try to cheer him up. And then we got ourselves the Creed Brothers. They want to train together. But uh, Chad Gable thinks the Gable method's working. But we all know the Creed method is much better. But while that goes on, the, uh, you know, New Day comes in there. They start jabbing away. But it comes down to this. It is, what's that? Uh, um, Maxine Dupree and Ivy Nile getting together. Now, this could possibly be a tag team, you know. Ivy Nile and uh, Maxine. Maybe. Maybe. After all, the uh, women's tag div actually the tag division in general in the WWE is trash. So anything helps. Though this could be a temporary thing, or well, right now it's going to be temporary. Anyways, 
Moving on to our main event match. It is for the Tag Team Championship. The United did, you know, the Universal, the, uh, Universal Tag Team Championship. Now, defending their belts is, of course, uh, your very own... Uh, Judgment Day. Now, Judgment Day versus uh, your very own, uh, you know, uh, Cody Rhodes and Jey Uso. Now, this was about 19 minutes. I throw the music on, but I already did the music stuff already. So, this match here is about 19 minutes. This was, like I say, tag ropes. It doesn't matter. Ropes, the referee doesn't care if they're using tag ropes or not, and they don't use tag ropes very at all. You know, uh, Jey Uso uses the tag ropes now and then. Actually, Jey Uso is the one that uses the tag ropes. You know, everybody else, they don't care. It's ridiculous. You know, every now and then they might use it, but the uh, Judgment Day. But it's just, uh, you know, a lot of fun, this match. It was a lot of fun when it comes down to it. 19 minutes of fun. People wrestling. Now, Cody Rhodes, he's got his problem. Every time Jey Uso is in the ring with Finn Balor, a lot of times when they're in the ring, Jey Uso, Finn Balor, uh, Cody Rhodes comes in there and fights uh, Damien Priest. Come out, let's do this. This is not interesting enough. Come on, let's fight. Not once. Not twice he did that. Cody Rhodes just walks in the ring and just, Come on, Damien, let's fight! It's like, this match is lame! I'm not in the match yet! So he does that again. And then when finally Cody Rhodes does get tagged in, you know, he gets this uh, Damien Priest, he does this move. It's like the style slash, the style slash except uh, inverted. So he gets someone into the, a uh, tombstone pile driver. And he does a, a front, he does, he does a front bump. So he just like drops forwards, like the style clash. Uh, Wade Barrett's like that happened. <laughs> not really like that. It's like he's, he's not really quite sure if that was a mistake or not, or if that was uh, what he was supposed to do. You yeah. know. So yeah, we marry on. It's uh, Jey Uso gets tagged back in, and Jey Uso now he does his maneuver where he whips off his shirt with one hand and does a punch. You know, last time, the first time he did it was tough because he used his wrong arm. He's like, oh, I'm not getting off. Uh, struggling, struggling with the shirt. But he switched arms this time. Whoosh, off he goes. And punching he does. So, yeah, again, Cody Rhodes decides to jump into the ring there. Takes out some Damien Priest again. You know, like what he does usually. Um, now, well, no, he didn't do that. He, Cody Rhodes gets tagged and he takes out the Judgment Day by himself. And then... Uh, Jey Uso then tags him and he takes out Judgment Day 2 by himself, both of them. So they do some serious damage on both of them by themselves. Jey Uso does go for a big old Uso splash on, uh, you know, Damien Priest. Doesn't get it. Now, here we go. Near the end of the match here. Damien Priest has Jey Uso at his mercy. He's going for a South of Heaven chokeslam. He goes back for a tag. He tags in uh, uh, Finn Balor. He goes for South of Heaven, but uh, Jey Uso escapes the South of Heaven, you know. Cody Rhodes then comes back into the ring. It's like, really? And then he gives uh, uh, Damien Priest the, uh, you know, Cody Rhodes move, the, you know, um, the crossroads. And then it's Jey Uso, I guess, uh, spears Finn Balor, you know. And then it becomes a finishing move. Will Cody Rhodes and Jey Uso regain their belts? Because they get the Cody Rhodes cutter and the one and done. And they, perf they do it perf in perfection this time. They hit, um, you know, uh, Finn Balor with it. Big time. But it is, uh, 
Damien Priest, he breaks up the pin. Breaks up the pin. Uh, Cody Rhodes then throws out uh, Damien Priest. Throws him out of the ring. And then follows up with a massive tope suicida. Massive tope. You would think that would knock out Damien Priest. But actually, that just enrages Damien Priest. You don't tope suicida me. That's it. I'm angry. And he throws him headfirst into the uh, ring post. Ring post, uh, the, the, I guess the post falls apart a little bit. And then the South of Heaven choke slams, choke slams him right onto the hardest part of the apron. You know, a five inch slam right onto the apron there. And then of course, after that, Jey Uso tries to take advantage. He, uh, Topi Suicidas over the top rope, squashing both Damian Priest and Finn Balor, picks up Finn Balor, throws him into the ring there, tries to help him out, tries to take him out there. But the referee, he decides to turn his back on everything that's happening outside the ring with uh, Jey Uso. And that's when, Everything goes upside down, all haywire, so to speak. It is uh, Drew McIntyre. He makes his appearance there. And then one hell of a Claymore kick. You're not going to win this one. Now I'm going to show you what it feels like to lose your chance at a winning the belt. Claymore kick. Swordsman did the ring there. Finn Balor goes with a quick pin. One, two, three. It's over. Then it showed out the big picture. Rhea Ripley's out there. And Drew McIntyre. And Drew McIntyre, is he the newest member of Judgment Day? But who knows? It's looking bad for everybody. Judgment Day with the new member association. You know, Drew McIntyre. Well, you're my so I think that's going to be good, probably. Drew McIntyre there now. Uh, hmm. With the tag team championship, they can move to SmackDown, and Drew McIntyre can go for Roman Reigns' title and perhaps. Oh, out, you know, beat uh, Roman Reigns and become the new ta uh, champion. Because I think, I think, uh, let's face it, Drew McIntyre, he's a, he's a champ, he's champion material. And I think he should be champion of uh, SmackDown. And with that said, that ends it for today's episode of Raw. For this week, for our, uh, you know, podcast listeners, that's, uh, stay tuned for after this break, we'll have some uh, NXT. But for our YouTube audience members, that's it for today. Stay tuned for another episode of The Wrestling Show. I'm your host, Lip Hazelwood, saying, see you next time. This just in. It's time for the wrestling show to take a very cynical look back at the latest episode of uh, representing the WWE and live from the Performance Center in Orlando, Florida. It's the NXT air date November the 14th, 2023. This episode is the road to uh, deadline. That's right, their premium live event. So, Let's get on with the show in uh, one, two, one, two, three. Lip really loves wrestling. He likes to talk about it too. If you like to watch wrestling like he do, come and join us on the wrestling show. On the wrestling show. On the wrestling show, oh, oh, baby.
Wilbo. Wilbo. Welcome to All Wrestling Show. I'm your most fickle host, Lip Hazlywood, and this is a very cynical look back at the latest episode of the NXT. But before we dive into the show, just a quick shout out to the non-competitors. That's right. Now they are the, uh, the glue that holds things together, like I usually say. First, he's a man that makes all the decisions. You rarely see him at all anywhere. But uh, better mention him anyways. He is uh, Sean Michaels. That's right. Now I say this, you gotta, every time you say his name, you must, must uh, have his uh, music, his theme music. So I provide that. Next, getting all the pre-match interviews and all the backstage scoops, we got ourselves a Mackenzie Mitchell. And heading into the ring, we got our announcer. It's letting everybody know who's about to wrestle and who uh, the, the outcome of such matches. It's Alicia Taylor. And last, but uh, certainly and uh, not least, it's the commentary crew. The play-by-play -play guys, the hosts, and I call them always, the narrators of the damn show. Um, they are the team of the two-time, that's right, the two-time, Hall of Famer, um, the man with the uh, the champagne wishes and caviar dreams, shucky ducky quack quack. It's Booker T. And backing up Booker T, of course, he's forever will be the voice of reason, and one hell of a commentator on his own right. It's of course, um, it's Vic Joseph. Now, without any further cadeaus, let's get on with the the show. Because it's a, a big show today. That's right. Setting up, a lot of, setting up a lot of stuff for future events, I tell you what. So here we go. Um, now we start with uh, something big. Now apparently, last week, uh, Andre Chase was delivered a package. A package! From the D'Angelo family. The, the new lady of the D'Angelo family. Passes uh, along a package to uh, J.C. Jane, so J.C. knows it's in the package. But it's something in there that's incriminating, apparently, to uh, Andre Chase. And whatever it is, it's got the Chase U, the, uh, what's that, the Chase section, the Andre Chase U section, whatever. Their, uh, their loyalty is shooken. So they're no longer a big fan of Andre Chase for some reason, I guess, for future development in the storyline. So, anyways, um, this match here is a, a tag team championship match. Um, it is, uh, of course, Andre Chase, Chase U, um, Andre Chase and Duke Hudson defending their championship belts against the returning, the, uh, I guess this is the uh, rematch. And your former champions is the D'Angelo family, Tony D'Angelo, and the underboss, Channing Stax Lorenzo. Now, of course, with uh, Chase U, we got ourselves uh, Thea Hale and JC Jane sitting back there, checking out the match with the uh, with the old team Rooney. Now, this match here was about 14 minutes long. This was uh, this was a barn burner. Mm-hmm, of a match. Now, here's the thing. Usually tag ropes in NXT mean something. And this one, of course, it, it kind of does, you know. Um, until it doesn't, you know. Because, uh, yeah, it just, the tag ropes just really comes down to it. They don't matter anywhere because referees don't care. Because what is a referee? 
to make the uh, to make this legitify legitify the uh, the match. I guess you can say, right? But they got no power, no power at all in there. Just count, really count three, and to uh, you know determine uh, who they gives up. You know. So it's a shame. It's come down to that. So it's a lot of fun. This match here was a lot of fun, even though the tag tag ropes were used. Other than that, the match here was a lot of a lot of great wrestling. It's Channing Stacks Lorenzo, great performer, great wrestler. No doubt, no doubt about it. Great feature in wrestling with him. Now, like I say, early on in the match, it did matter. They tagged in and out with the tag rope. They made sure the tag ropes were used. But like I say, later on, they just stopped caring. They have a huge oh Channing Stacks Lorenzo and. Tony D'Angelo, they got a big move where uh, they get their opponents outside the ring and uh, with a massive hip toss, it's like a giant hip toss over the top rope where Tony D'Angelo throws Stax Lorenzo, the underboss, right on top of his opponents, of uh, Andre Chase and Duke Hudson. Now, there's an homage in this match here. A quiet homage. It was homage to, uh, you know, Cactus Jack. Bang, bang! Bang, bang! So, yeah, it's uh, Chang Slacks Renzo. Does the old double bangs and then goes off the side of the ropes, apron there, with the, his best elbow drop he can muster. It's not bad. Could have been better. After all, it's it's, it's completely different than when uh, uh, Mick Foley did that elbow drop. Because when he when Mick Foley did that elbow drop, there was like, like <laughs> this... Uh, one inch flimsy crash mat out there to stop your fall on top of the concrete. That's that's it. That's all he had. This is like uh, uh, next level technical uh, foam. So he can, he can really go out there with the big move. But you know what? It's still not that uh, it could be softer, I suppose. Anyways, big move by Chang Stacks Renzo and me diminishing it just a little bit. And that's what I do. Anyways, match goes on. Andre Chase comes out there with a massive... Oh, he starts fighting. And he does really well, of course. Andre Chase. Uh, one thing I always get about Andre Chase now. One thing for sure. He comes in. He's all disheveled. His street clothes, a.k.a. wrestling clothes. Now, that's what I get about Andre Chase. He just never tried. Never tried to look for, perhaps, say, some sort of ring gear that would uh, showcase that he is the professor of Chase U. You know? Something that uh, would have a theme to it. But no, he just comes in with slacks, a button-up, you know, a sweater over top of that, sweater vest. No, a sweater, actually just sweater. Sneakers. Yeah, come on now. Put some effort into, uh, you know, your ring gear, buddy. Anyways, that bitch aside, the match was pretty fun. The wrestling itself was great. You know, um, now we got a point here. The Angelo family, it is their, one of their finishing moves. It is Tony D'Angelo sets up for a uh, German non-release suplex. Then Channing stacks Lorenzo off the second rope with a twisting uppercut. Smashes Andre Chase in the face with that. Chase in the face! But you know, Duke Hudson was there to break up the pin. No big deal. And then after that, we got ourselves that. Yeah, you know what? Tag rope, schmag ropes. You know, referees say, you can tell one time they're, they're about to go to ref, they go for the uh, tag and, uh, you know, Channing's go for the, you know, ropes, but the uh, referee totally didn't care. It's it's a shame. They should really say something about tag ropes, you know, make it like sound like it's legitimate, you know, make it sound like it's real. You know, put a little bit more effort, a little bit more effort into the realism of this whole situation here. You know why I think that? 
That's it's got to have that. It's got to have some realism of it actually being a legit match. So, anyways, Tony D and uh, Chang stacks around, so they high five each other, and the referee calls it a tag. It's what it is. It happens a couple of times, more times there. And like I say, uh, Chase, the match goes on after that bitching. I just want to bitch about the, uh, you know, no rope tag and ref not caring. Anyways, so end up Chase uh, starts uh, stomping a mud hole. You know, starts doing the Chase uh, U-chant thing, you know, the stomping thing. And next you know what? More of the Chase people leave, the Chase U crowd leave. You know, the old uh, trainees, so to speak. The, uh, you know, performance center uh, noobs who come in as the Chase U uh uh, players, students, so they start leaving. Well, I'm out of here. Chase is a loser. Let's go. So they know something we don't, apparently. And then after that, under Chase, he looks over, you know, uh, and it is uh, Tony D'Angelo. You just can't leave him there with just uh, recuperating, recouping. So by before, uh, Andre Chase knows that he gets, uh, he, he, he tussles some. You know, he gets uh, massively, uh, What's that? Spine bustered. Andre Chase gets spine bustered by Tony D'Angelo. And then here we go. Tony tags out to Chang Stacks Lorenzo. And then kicks. That's right. Kicks. Uh, what's that? Duke Hudson in the belly. In the old belly. He falls off the apron there. Oh! He's down for the count. He's down for the count. And then it's a double team. It is a. Uh, it's called a bada bing, a bada boom. It is her finisher. And what it is, it's a double electric chair drop. Double electric chair drop. I mean, uh, I don't see why that's... Uh, I, the double electric chair drop is just about as effective as a single electric chair drop. There's no difference, I don't think, except the fact that two people are doing it. You know? There's got to be something else involved with that, you know? Maybe someone electric chair drops him on some, onto a person's knees. Oh. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Anyways. Daniel Flamey wins it, and that's that for the Andre Chase. They uh, have been champions for a solid week. So good for the Chase U for being the paperist of champions out there. And then we got ourselves a little bit of the uh, backstage, uh, I guess you can say, uh, what's that? Um, some love, uh, love fest. I wrote it down here. It's uh, Baron Corbin and Dominic Mysterio appreciating. It's a appreciation uh, week apparently they appreciate each other um, so they got nothing but good things to say about that and uh, this is about uh, Baron uh, Corbin taking out Wesley you know and for their match for their big match you're gonna have you know Baron Corbin um, Wesley so here's the thing um, Dominic Mysterio big fan of uh, Baron Corbin you know he says basically he's got his back he's got his back for tonight, if he needs it, he's got, he's there for him. So it's good for Dominic, you know. Dominic making friends. You know, he's the most hated person in the WWE for some reason. But uh, he's a he's a solid worker. I gotta say, I gotta say. Now speaking of solid work, I don't know. We got ourselves a little bit of the Supernova Sessions with the uh, Noam Dar and his crew, the Metaphor. Mm-hmm. They are, of course, uh, you know, uh, Oro Menza, Lash Legend, and Jakira Jackson. And, of course, that uh, um, Heritage Cup 
is sitting in his uh, cage and it's locked up, even though we all know that you can just lift it right up. The, cage, the, the chain is holding nothing in place. It's doing nothing. It doesn't matter. It's just how it looks. So their guest for tonight, it is the Alpha Academy. That's right. All four of them. Mm-hmm. It's, of course, uh, Chad Gabler, Otis, Maxine Dupree, and uh, Akira Meemzawa. It's actually Tozawa, but he's a meme these days. Nothing but a meme. And it's, it was a, it's a time-wasting segment. It was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Otis just being a complete perv. You know, his new gimmick, he's a pervert. Anyways, he likes being pervy. So basically, Otis has got the eyes for Lash Legend. And you know what? Lash Legend, gotta say, she looks great. She looks great. She looks like a champion. She's got the, uh, she's got the complete package. She looks great. She, her physique, her, she's tall. But she looks like she's a champion. She looks like she could be a champion. Someone who can represent the company. She looks great, like they say. But Otis, ooh, he takes that to another level. He loves what how Lash Legend looks. And he gets all freaky with it. He gets all freaky deaky, you know. He starts uh, humping the air. Humping the air. Which is freaking out everybody. Jakir Jack, uh, Jackson's like, uh, game almost throwing up in her mouth. It's true. Anyways, it comes down to a challenge. Um, Chad Gable knows somebody who's going to want that... Uh, Heritage Cup. And then it's, like I say, it's Otis comes out there doing the old humps in the air. You know, for, uh, you know, Lash Legend. And, of course, Norm Dar accepts because he thinks he's going to fight Otis. I'm thinking, wow, you think it's a good, good thing? You think Otis is a step down from Chad Gable? It's like, wow, that is interesting. That is interesting to hear. So he thinks he's fighting Otis. So he says, yes, I will. But then it ends up being a Chad Gable being the real opponent. And then Chad Gable with a massive headbutt. Headbutts the holy hell out of, uh, you know, Norm Dar. And that's the end of the sessions. So they're going to have a big, uh, big match. Norm Dar versus Chad Gabler for the Heritage Cup. I'm having, now, there's always the possibility Norm Dar could lose. But I think this is a great opportunity for Chad Gable to, uh, you know, make... Norm Dar looked like a superhero. Anyways, moving on. Our next match is continues on, and it's the uh, qualifying uh, qualifiers for the, the Iron Survivor. The Iron Survivor qualifiers. This one here is between uh, Metaphors Lash Legend, and Lash Legend's got uh, Norm Dar, uh, Jakira uh, Jackson, and uh, Oro Menza on her corner. Nobody on Roxanne Perez's corner. Nobody. Now, here we go. Roxanne Perez. This is a... Wrestling... The, the wrestling was great here. The matchup is very awkward because uh, Lash Legend, she's she's very tall. You know, she's maybe uh, six feet, maybe. She, I don't know. She's tall. And compared to, uh, um, you know, Roxanne Perez, who's like five feet two, five feet one, four feet eleven. She's very short, I'm just saying. The matchup is very, you know, mismatched. But Roxanne Perez, she's a firecracker. And this match was very good. Uh, well, the wrestling was good because obviously the two of them, you know. Um, but Lash Legend, she hasn't been in the ring for a long time. A long, long time. It's been quite a while since Lash Legend's been in the ring. And so who knows, maybe she's been in the back training with uh, Norm Dar or whatnot, getting her wrestling skills up. Because uh, 
She could be a dominant force in the, in the NXT. Easily, Last Legend could be a champion in the NXT. And who knows what uh, the future holds for this uh, amazing talent. So anyways, they fight on. And, uh, well, of course, uh, like I say, uh, you know, Roxanne Perez is a shorter person, but she does some amazing, what's that, uh, they're called uh, tilt-a-whirls. She's just, she's like whirling around. She's like flying around, uh, you know, Lash. It is pretty impressive. And she's knocking down Lash Legend all the time. It's pretty good. Like she got one with a uh, crucifix uh, uh, bomb. She gets on Lash. Pretty impressive. Now we get to a point here. Now, this is not match night. This is a great wrestling, but it's not match night for a reason, because it's ridiculous. Um, now, we get to a point here where um, we got Lash Legend uh, rolling out of the ring. She's sore. Uh, the referee's like looking at Lash Legend, where he should have stayed there. Noam Dar, you know, tries to uh, distract the referee again. And meanwhile, um, Roxanne Perez, she hits those ropes. You know, I know it's Roxanne Perez is like Rey Mysterio when she hits those ropes. She's so short, she's got to hit those second rope, this middle rope there. You get a good springboard off there. Anyways, she hits those ropes there. It's just a nose thing. So he hits those ropes, and as Jakira Jackson hooks the leg, Roxanne Perez hits her face. The ref sees it and decides, that's it, you're out of here. You're out of here. Not just you, but your whole team. Out of here. So that's right. So Oro Mensa. You know, uh, Norm Dar and Jakira Jackson out, kicked out. Okay, fine. Match goes on. And uh, it was pretty good. Match uh, was one-on-one -on -one legitimately. But, here we go. Um, now, everything Roxanne Perez tried to do for off with her offense, it is the size of, uh, you know, Lash Legend. Just, just picking up, just throwing down. Uh, Roxanne Perez. It is pretty impressive by uh, um, Lash Legend, you know? Um, what's that? Uh, now, here's the thing. What comes down to it, it's uh, Lash Legend was ruling Roxanne Perez for a bit there. And then she does the her best Otis impression, where she goes headfirst into the ring post. And she rolls out of the ring there. So this is where things get very interesting. Roxanne Perez, she, now this is the end sequence here, Roxanne Perez goes for a massive tope suicide and knocks down uh, Lash Legend, throws her back to the ring, they go for more wrestling. Roxanne Perez does this uh, wheelbarrow, a wheelbarrow slam, so she goes through the legs and uh, with the Lash Legend goes face first down. Pretty impressive uh, wrestling move, huge bump. I'm surprised uh, Lash Legend didn't uh, get up with a bleeding nose. She went down hard. It was crazy. Now, this is where things get crazy. Jakira Jackson, she decides to come back in the ring. Not just come back to the ringside, but she gets into the ring itself. The referee gets all upset with her and starts arguing with her. Now, this is where disqualification comes in. Okay, you want to get back here? I told you, you you're should be away from here. Disqualified. Last year, disqualified because of her. Done. Match over. You know, it's ridiculous. But anyways, the referee decides to argue with Jakir why she's out there. And then we got ourselves a little bit of, uh, um, what's that, uh, Kira, you know, uh, Kira James, or should I say Kiana James, I'm sorry, 
for Kiana. Kiana James comes out there and holds her arm down so she can't move. And then it's uh, Lash Legend comes in there with a, one massive. This wasn't crazy. This move was absolutely bonkers. Now, Sami Zayn, it's exactly the same as the Sami Zayn's uh, Huluva kick. One hell of a kick. But here's the thing. If I were to choose who I would rather get hell of a kick from, one Huluva, I, if I were to choose who I would rather get Huluva kicked from, Sami Zayn or uh, Lash Legend, I would say Sami Zayn. Because Lash Legend, her legs are just... They're... they're <laughs> you do not want to get kicked by this. It looks like so deadly. This Huluva kick by Lash Legend should be a finisher. Right there, Dunzo. KO. That is a KO kick right there. That is right up there with the Claymore. Right up there with the Bro kick. That is top notch. That is a one hell of a kick. But that didn't put it away. No. Did not put it away. Because she ended up doing a powerbomb. Now... Powerbomb is a great move if done properly. You know, this was a powerbomb, technically a powerbomb. Uh, but wow, it looked it looked sloppy at best. I think she should have kept the uh, super kick, the old one hell of a kick, and kept the powerbomb. You know what? It's all right. Whatever. You don't need a powerbomb. Just roll her up after that. You know, that's all you need. So anyways... Lash Legend with a huge victory. And moving on to the um, Iron Survivor match. The Iron Survivor match. So now we go backstage. Now this is uh, the other day. And this is uh, Lyra Valkyria doing some research on some tape about her future opponent. And that's Zia Lee. And uh, she's checking out her super kick. That super roundhouse kick. You know, it's like it, how it debilitates opponents, how Indy Hartwell should have been studying that tape too, but she wasn't. So now, yeah, she gets studying tape with some trainers, I suppose. They're called trainers. You would assume they're trainers or it's just some weirdos that like hanging around with Lyra Valkyria. And then we got her message. I guess she has uh, a video on her phone and she's uh, doing it on her phone to, uh, you know, to link, link up to the, uh, you know, What's that to the screen? Uh, doing uh, link up to the to teleprompter. Anyways, um, yeah, I had some tea technical difficulties there for a second. My brain is broken. Anyway, so Lyra Valkyria, she gets an invitation to a tea party, a tea party by Zia Lee, and you know the Chinese tea parties—they are taken very seriously, mm -hmm. almost like the Japanese tea party. It's true. The ceremony, tea ceremony, I should say. A tea ceremony. So she's invited to the tea ceremony. Moving on. It's the tea ceremony. And we got the ultimate of disrespects. You know how Xia um, Li was talking about the tea and what it represents. You know, the tea, the tea leaves becoming tea with the hot water. What that, the, the transmorphation, the transmorphation of uh, what it means for that. So yeah, she talked about that, and it uh, comes down to this. Now drink your tea. Drink up, you bitch. So Zaylee's drink your tea. But it's uh, Lyra Valkyrie refuses to drink the tea. The ultimate disrespect. No, I will not drink tea with you. I will not break bread with my enemy. You know, she should have uh, maybe taken another level of disrespect. Take the tea and pour it right out. Shh. Sorry, no. I do not do that type of thing. 
No tea for me! So yeah, that would have been, ooh. Now to, to refuse to drink it is one thing, but to dump it out is another thing entirely. Disrespect. So yeah, Zaili is still not happy with that. Still not happy, so yep, she vows an extra uh, dose of ass-kicking when they fight. Next up, we got ourselves a little bit of the uh, um, Mackenzie Mitchell with Trick Williams. Um, with Actually, Trick Williams and his punch. When Trick Williams punched Carmelo Hayes in the face. You know, when he's... Uh, he looked like he really meant to punch him in the face. But hey, it comes down to this. Hey, accidents happen. It's what it is. You know, if they, they're just accidents, you know. And uh, yeah, it's like a whole thing. They agree to a whole thing. But basically comes down to this. They come to the realization that, yeah, hey, things happen and let bygones be bygones, basically. You know? Uh, so anyways, moving on. We go backstage and it's with, I guess, uh, Ariana Grace. Showing that the power of positivity um, uh, falls on, well, it, she's got the power of positivity in her. She's very positive, and she, she, the way she communicates it is very poorly, and people don't like her for that, you know. Um, she got whipped uh, last week for it, you know. Um, I believe it was Carmen uh, Petrovic. She uh, took a, you know, special disliking to her uh, positivity, and today it's no different. It's a kind of different because it's uh, Gigi Dolan. She's had enough of her positivity. Positive, you know. Um, so it comes down to this. Um, I hope you have experience, you know, getting your ass whooped. Yes, it's terrible. But you know what? Ariana Grace versus Gigi Dolan can't be bad. So here we go. Moving on. We go backstage, and it's with some, uh, you know, Mackenzie Mitchell once again with Braun Breaker. And about how does he feel about how he treated, how he treated, uh, you know, Vaughn Wagner and, uh, you know, Robert Stone. And he likes, basically, it's uh, Brand Braun likes to hurt people. He likes breaking things and people. And then we got ourselves, Dijak comes in, Dijak, oh my goodness. He's got the cojones, he's got the cojones. And he comes out there and uh, basically, uh, because the question was, what is your future? What is the future of, uh, you know, Braun Breaker? So basically, I believe it comes down to this. Uh, Dijak just wants a piece of Braun Breaker, you know. He just hopes he can be, gets involved with the, uh, what's that, uh, um, the Iron Survivors qualifiers, Iron Survivors matches, cause so they can be, because Dijak already is involved with that. So now he, I guess if, if, you know, uh, Braun Breaker could be in there, be a good thing. Now, Braun Breaker, one personal thing, side thing with Braun Breaker, his beard. You know, there's a man called Ron Popeil. He had this uh, hair in a can he sprayed on your head. Now I swear, Braun Breaker had sprayed on his uh, hair in a can on his face. It looks so weird. So weird. I mean, he's must, I know he's follically challenged in his face. You know, a lot of people are follically challenged like me. You know, just can't grow a beard and let you do spray paint one on. Anyways, with that said, he just looks weird. Or it could be wrong. It could be a really thick beard. Really thick beard, but it doesn't look. Anyways, that's me being critical and a cynical. 
and the fickle fool. Anyway, so our next match, it is, of course, on Iron Survivors Qualifiers. Iron Survivors Qualifiers. Um, it's apparently Booker T's favorite, you know, not it could be as, you know, you would have thought they were related by the, the you know, flowers Booker T were throwing uh, at uh, Trick Williams. Now, this one here, Trick Williams, he's with uh, his friend, you know, uh, Carmelo Hayes versus the Gal representing the Gallus boys. That's right. The busy as a bee. It's uh, Joe Coffey, the biggest little man in the world. That's right. Let his mouth do the talking. <laughs> Anyways, with the Gallus boys, with Joe Coffey, it is his brother Marcus Coffey and tag team partner of Marcus. It is Wolfgang, who hasn't seen action for a little bit. For a hot minute. Anyways, this match here was about 11 and a half minutes. It was pretty good. It was pretty good. You know? Um, not a back forth. Pretty good. Uh, except it was heavy on uh, Trick Williams. was really beating uh, Joe Coffey's ass in that ring there. He does a pop-up uh, uppercut. Pretty nice looking. Knocks Joe Coffey for a loopy. For a lupe. Now, we got a moment here where things go out of hand. And you think, well, what's going on here? Why isn't the Carmelo Hayes backing up Mr. Trick Williams? At least that's what I thought. Because when they're outside the ring there, um, when Trick Williams is going in for the kill outside the ring, it is the uh, Marcus Coffey and Wolfgang stepping in like bouncers. No, you don't. Don't even try it. Because we are here to stop that for sure. Now, he could have just walked into them and at the, had them attack him, and the referee would call a disqualification, and that's it! Trick Williams, you're moving on, you genius! Using the bullheads of the, uh, you know, Gallus against them, but that didn't happen. Instead, Trick Williams beats up both of them, just punches one down, Marcus gets punched, Wolfgang gets punched in the face. That's right. But it's enough time for... Uh, Marcus or Joe Coffey to take advantage with a big knee to the stomach. Poof! And then he starts taking over for a little bit with the very he with a nice the Joe Coffey power slam. It's very interesting. It's like uh, if you take a front bump, that's as, about as high as you get. Anyway, regardless, my bitching, my bitching about Joe Coffey. Um, Joe Coffey said, "I always wonder." This is basically about uh, Joe Coffey style fighting is uh, British strong style, and. Uh, What's that? Trick Williams' style is no style right yet because he's very new still. So anyways, Trick Williams, he gets Joe Coffey with one hell of a, like, uh, like uh, you know, uh, urinagi. A urinagi. One hell of a urinagi. It's almost like a choke slam. So high. Mm -hmm. Now here's the end sequence. It is, uh, what's a Marcus Coffey? He jumps on the apron there. Distracts the referee and distracts, uh, you know, uh, Trick Williams. He comes there and there for the kill, and so he, uh, he knocks down Marcus Coffey. And then here's where it gets weird. Um, Wolfgang jumps on a ring apron there. Trick Williams just said, Oh, no, no, you don't. And he, feel, he felt that, you know what, uh, I'm kind of here on my own right now because, uh, you know, uh, Carmelo Hayes didn't help me before. So why is he helping me now? Why should he help me now? So then he sees that happening, and he doesn't say, like, I'm not sure why he didn't see... Uh, Carmelo Hayes pulling on the leg of Wolfgang. And then, with the perfect timing, Trick Williams comes and run at, runs at uh, Wolfgang. Wolfgang gets pulled off the apron there. And then Trick Williams flops over top of the rope. It was hilarious. 
I farted while I was laughing. It was great. And then it's, uh, oh, uh, Joe Coffey tries to end it. He comes in for now when uh, they're, you know, uh, Carmelo and Trick Williams. The Carmelo's trying to get Trick Williams up. You okay? You come on, let's go. Mark, uh, Joe Coffey comes in with a massive Tope Suicida between the second and third ropes. Big old Tope Suicida. Knocks down Trick Williams. Throws him back in the ring there. Throws him back in the ring. Tries to finish it off. Now he has got the Glasgow send-off, he calls it. He calls it a Glasgow send-off. But uh, we all know it as my cousin Vinny oh, flies to the air. Oh, Hey-oh! With a double push. Right, with a punch to the face. It was hilarious. Again, I laughed until I farted. And then, of course, Joe Coffey tries to end it. Uh, he hits those ropes here for his massive lariat. But instead of hitting uh, the neck with the lariat, he hits those knees. Because uh, it's, uh, what's that? Trick Williams with his finisher. It's uh, the flash knee. Where he jumps up and he brings his knees up. And he hopes to God that you run into his knees. And this time it did. Joe Coffey goes down with a heap. Trick Williams doesn't lose. Did not lose. He wins and moving on. Moving on. With that big old move. Mm-hmm. It was a peaceful ending to the match. No one, uh, there's no fighting after that. I'm sticking to it. Okay. So here we go. Um, next up, we go backstage and there's a little bit of uh, some kadoos. Some respect thrown. You know, it's uh, Idi Dragunov and Wesley. And he's showing some mutual respect about, hey, congratulations on your win. And, oh, you've been away for a little bit. Hey, I'll see you later. Give me this. And when that said, oh, my goodness, something even more spectacular. It's, uh, you know, Baron Corbin and Lexus King showing some mutual respect as well. I like what you're doing. I like what you're doing, too. I like that beard. Thank you. They didn't say that. Anyway, so yeah, Lexus King, he's, uh, yeah, and Baron Corbin. They're short of high-fiving each other, short of it. So anyways, up next, we got ourselves a big tag team match. It is uh, the representing the brawling birds. It's uh, Butch and Ridge Holland versus representing Out the Mud. And that's uh, Bronco Nima and Lucien Price. With, of course, Reginald Scripps at their side. Now, Reginald Scripps. They're saying that, oh, you know, thank goodness Reginald or Scripps is uh, helping out because uh, they're really getting, they can really go far. I'm thinking the other way around. I'm thinking, uh, you know what, uh, thank goodness for uh, Bronco and uh, Lucien because uh, they got some mighty strong coattails, I got to say that. You know, these two here. Bronco and, uh, you know, Lucian, they are super heavyweights. Let's face it, they are not just heavyweights, but they are super heavyweights. They are big boys. Both of them, not ju they don't, don't just make uh, Butch look like a tiny person. They dwarf Rich Holland as well. Both of them dwarf Rich Holland, you know. So Butch looked like a child with them. It was hilarious. Now this match was about uh, close to six minutes. Close to six minutes long. Um, this was pretty much all Bronco and uh, Lucian. Just demolishing. Now even though the Brawling Brutes, they did come in and try to do the double uh, 
10 beats of the Balor. But it is it didn't happen. It's uh, Bronco Nima broke free. Ended up uh, knocking out some uh, Rich Holland. But it's, my goodness, Bronco Nima just with a massive stomp down on uh, Butch. Butch getting crushed down there. It was usually mostly Butch versus the uh, Out the Mud. You know? Just getting the stomp, right? Just getting stomped down there. Now, even, even, what's that, uh, Reginald Scripps, he feels he should help out too. So he, he when uh, Butch is hanging out to dry, you know, when the referee pulls away uh, um, Bronco from the, you know, Butch, it's Scripps comes up with the super jump kick. And thank goodness the Scripps is a lightweight guy because uh, it would have really hurt if it was done by somebody else. Like, I don't know, uh, Lucian Price, who's right there, who could have done the same thing. And more effectively, we done like a leg drop. Whammo! Just knocked him right there with the leg drop. Poo. Anyways, they got to move. It was space. Butch was getting just butchered in the ring there. Just getting crushed. Gets the ropes there with a double team. It seemed like it was over for Butch, but he gets the hot tag out. Finally gets the hot tag out. Um, you know, uh, Rich Holland comes in and just kicks arse on both of them. Both team members. You know? But here we go. It comes down to this. He was against uh, Lucian Price because he got tagged in there. Because Lucian Price ends up turning things around. He says, picks up uh, Rich Holland. He slams him down on the ground. Butch comes back in the ring there. He tries to help out. But he gets slammed right on top of Rich Holland. Right on top of Rich Holland. Like they just stacked them. Stacked them like pancakes. It was pretty impressive by uh, uh, Lucian. Some serious skills. Now, they had one finishing move. It was uh, Butch back in the ring, of course, because he was tagged in to help out. And Butch, he gets uh, their finisher, Lucien and, uh, you know, uh, Bronco. Their finisher is uh, um, Bronco Nima. He has a suplex. He suplexes uh, Butch, and he's going to do a forward suplex on him. And while he's going down, it's Lucien Price with a big knee lift to the stomach. That should have been Dunzo. That's it. You're over, because these guys are they're giants. That would have just knocked the holy hell out of you. The holy hell out of you. But it didn't. Butch kicks out for some some reason. Butch gets a second wind. And he starts fighting back. Like, wow, this should have ended him. But it just made him mad. Just made him mad. It's like, wow, that's weird. That is weird. Then it gets confusing because Butch uh, goes on. The, you know, they start fighting in the corner. You know, it's uh, Bronco. He's on the second ropes there. And uh, looks like it's... Uh, Butch try and go for a powerbomb. And then it's like, oh, you're not the one that's supposed to do that. So Rich tags himself in, you know. And then Rich takes over the powerbomb position. And why he does that, um, it's uh, Butch. He takes out uh, because it's, uh, what's it? Uh, Lucien was outside the ring, got kicked outside the ring there. It's uh, Butch, he sets up outside on apron. and does his backflip. You know, is uh, Moonsault. Uh, Moonsault off the apron. Knocks out both, you know, uh, Reginald Scripps and Lucian Price up there. So inside the ring, it's, uh, we got ourselves the Danny in a match. It's the Powerbomb by, uh, you know, uh, the very own, uh, you know, uh, Rich Holland uh, to Bronco Nima. And then the finishing move. 
where the Brawling Brutes, it basically sets up like the Magic Killer. You know, uh, except, uh, what's that, uh, Butch has a DDT in the headlock, and uh, he it's basically assisted uh, DDT. Basically, and, uh, and that's it. The Brawling Brutes win. I didn't have any doubt that they'd lose. That they'd uh, lose. Uh, uh, that uh, you know, I knew that the Brawling Brutes would win. There, uh, because of course it's if they lost, they should have just retired. Because uh, you know, when you're a main roster going down to the NXT, uh, you gotta win, pretty much. Unless of course your career is down to the New York shitter. Anyway, regardless, regardless. Brawling Brutes with a big victory. Next up, we got ourselves one hell of a match. It is uh, the most curvaceous woman of all of the NXT. That's right, I call her even the sexiest woman of the NXT. It's Gigi Dolan. And she's got upset problems with the most, uh, I guess, uh, the positive woman in wrestling. It's Ariana Grace. So now it's a fight. She wants to take down a positivity a little bit. In this match here, it was good. It was a lot of fun. Um, you know, this was a lot of groundwork. A lot of ground, ground game was strong. Um, I think this is what I think. Um, Ariana Grace, she's got this uh, a factor. She's got this uh, a certain quality in her. She's got great mic skills. She's got a great personality. Now, I imagine being a you know a beauty queen, uh, you know contestant. She's got a lot of practice with a lot of practice with uh, mic skills and uh, how to be in front of a, a crowd, so she looks very comfortable. She's got a very comfortable look when she's out there. And she's got good wrestling skills, period. Ariana Grace's got, uh, she looks great. And I think there's a, there's something about Ariana where she can go far. But she's still new. And Gigi Dolan, like I say, she looks absolutely great. Gigi Dolan's got new uh, gear on. Uh, black, white stripes with uh, some uh, yellow shot through it. She looks great. Looks Really good. Now, before I just carry on with how they look, how about this match? This match here. A lot of roll-ups. Gigi Dolan tried to roll up Ariana Grace as many ways as she could. As many ways. O'Connor rolls, uh, schoolgirls. Um, what's that? Uh, you know, the backslides. All sorts. All sorts. Never getting it. Now, Ariana Grace, she's got some wear down holds. She's pull, trying to pull off the head off Gigi Dolan. It looks pretty good. She's, uh, the, you know, the... It's some good wear down holds. It tells a lot uh, with the person in the wear down holds. If it, if it looks terrible, eh, you know, you need a good wear down hold and look believable. And look uh, believable. Now, here's where it gets weird um, the end of the match. It's not a very good ending because it's just weird. Now, here it is. It is a uh, Ariana Grace. She tries to get a uh, backslide. She tries to get a backslide onto Gigi Dolan. Now, if anybody knows what a backslide is, uh, where you're back-to-back -back and you're pushing your opponent down, or you're upside down, you're upside down, you're pushing your opponent down, and they're sliding on their hot upper shoulders. And uh, here's the thing. Ariana Grace, she puts her feet onto the ropes. Now, putting your feet on the ropes with a backslide doesn't do anything. Doesn't add any pressure on the shoulders. Doesn't do anything. Period. How you roll out of backslide, it just roll through. Roll out of it. You know? And you're not being held down in any way, any way at all. I don't know who approved this, but it's stupid. What they should have done is if this rolled up, you roll her up, go for a matchbook cover, a matchbook cover, you just lie down on her legs, put your feet up on the ropes there, 
So it looks like you're getting, you're pushing down. You want to push down on that, you know, match, matchbook cover. Perfect. The uh, shoulder, the uh, backslide, poor choice. Anyways, referee looks up, like, no, gets all upset and points that out. Doesn't count. Ariana Grace is crushed. She's crushed. Her acting, this is great. She's really, I, I'm really liking Ariana Grace. She's got a great feature in this. Booker T thinks she looks great. I think I agree with Booker T. Um, so when she's complaining, she turns around to get super kicked. The super roundhouse kicked by Gigi Dolan. And then it's the, uh, the abdominal driver. The abdominal driver. She gets you in the abdominal stretch. And looks like she goes for uh, a schoolgirl. She drops down and, like, uh, and then you drop down there. That's the abdominal driver by Gigi Dolan. What's the official, what's her, what she calls it now? I don't know. It has so many different names. It had a couple of different names. Yeah, Gigi Dolan with a big victory over Ariana Grace. But however, Ariana Grace, she's so graceful. And she is, of course, the power of positivity lives strong in Ariana Grace. She picks up her sash. She slides that sash back on. She puts on her crown. And she thanks everybody. I don't know why, uh, you know, uh, Booker T didn't stand up and say, Thank you. <laughs> I don't know, but it was good. You know, Ariana Grace uh, showing good grace in losing. So yeah, it was it was an interesting uh, touch to the match after the match. You know, shows a lot of character and personality in what she just did in that moment. I don't know. I'm really taking I'm really taking a liking to Ariana. So now next up we got ourselves a little bit of the. Uh, um, you know, what's that? Uh, that's right. The story. Let me tell you about a story about Robert Stone, Robert Stone and Von Wagner. So they uh, basically the whole thing is that when they joined the NXT, they joined together the same day, and how they've come, how far they've come in their relationship from not knowing each other from uh, a potato chip from a microchip to being best buds and looking out for each other's backs. Uh, so, yes, uh, and it comes down to this. Robert Stone is so, you know, close. They're so close now. He invites, he wants to invite uh, Vaughn Wagner to dinner. Dinden with his family, his wifey. She's making that spaghetti with those little sausages. I want lots. I love all those things. They're so delicious. Mwah. Chef's a kiss. Mwah. And a French kiss to your wife. Mwah. I mean, uh, a chef's kiss to the food. Mwah. He didn't say any of that. But he did like that spaghetti that she makes with the special sausages. With those special sausage. So next up, we got ourselves a little bit more of Mackenzie Mitchell with Eddie Thorpe. Now, Eddie Thorpe's been gone for quite a while. Ever since that, uh, you know, big strap match against uh, Dijak, where Eddie Thorpe did win. But Eddie Thorpe, I guess uh, he, had got, he had some injuries he got to deal with. So he took some time off to deal with that, to be 100% when he got back. So, yeah. So it's good for, uh, you know, Eddie Thorpe. Uh, so anyways, next up. We have uh, a little bit of the Drew Gulak, or should I say, uh, um, a little bit of uh, the Andre Chase. You know, so Andre Chase, uh, he basically escapes with uh, his, uh, you know, 
the press. So the press was all complaining about, uh, well, here, oh, wait, I just got to do with your little thing. Um, Daddy Thorpe and Mackenzie Mitchell were talking. It's all about the Iron Survivors. Uh, um, and then what, Drew Gulak, Mile Bourne, and uh, Charlie Dempsey comes in there. And they have this thing. You know, I don't think I have a picture of that. I don't know why. But anyways, that's why he went through it too quickly. Um, so basically, it's about the Iron Survivors qualifiers coming on there. It's going to be uh, a Charlie Dempsey versus, uh, you know, Eddie Thorpe to go on to the Iron Survivors. I think it's going to be a pretty good match. Uh, Charlie Dempsey has barely been in that ring. I mean, he's he fights so few few times. I mean, it's ridiculous. Um, like as even Eddie Thorpe, he's had taken a few months off. I mean, not maybe, maybe a few. He's taken quite a while off. So both these guys, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be interesting. Are they gonna be uh, rusty or are they gonna you know shine like diamonds? Who knows? Anyways, moving on. Legitimately now, Andre Chase, he's escaping the NXT. So while he's escaping there, he gets uh, a face full of uh, reporters. You know, of course, and Andre Chase did just lose those tag team championship belts. He thinks it's about that, but who knows what it's about. It's JC Jane. She pulls up, and uh, they all escape with their lives. Now, our main event match. Our main event match and a night match of the night at the same time. This match was ten and a half minutes. This was a barn burner. This was a knuckle duster. This was everything you can think of. This was great. This was, of course, Baron Corbin versus Wes Lee. Now, I take shits on Baron Corbin quite often. You know, he might look like, uh, you know, like me wrestling because you know, I don't work out. So I, I'm not fat. I'm fit, you know, but uh, I'm, uh, I'm not, I'm not muscular. It's Corbin. Uh, so I, I complain about that. I bitch about that. So keep like, working harder. You can work harder, right? But when it comes down to it, Baron Corbin in the NXT, he's doing some amazing work. He's doing some incredible work in the NXT. Pans down, period. You know? Um, he might be a Viking's funeral, is his uh, gimmick. The burning ship, Viking's funeral. But Baron Corbin, he's been putting on some serious-ass bangers of a match. Bangers after bangers. Like, Baron Corbin showing case why, showcasing exactly why he's been around for so long. You know? In the main roster, they, he did been... Uh, they had no faith in him. It's unfortunate. But uh, Baron Corbin, this match, should I say a chef's kiss? Mm. It was as good. It was as good. Uh, this was, like I say, ten and a half minutes. Barn burner. You know. Um, Baron Corbin, he throws in. Now, Wesley, he's a king of bump, taking bumps. He can take bumps anywhere. And he do it safely. Now, this one here, uh, they call it a suplex. But this is as close to a brain buster I've ever seen. Like a scene in years, this brainbuster in the in the um, WWE in general, I haven't seen a brainbuster like this done in a long time. This was beautiful. You know, it's close to a brainbuster, a real brainbuster as you can get. So yeah, it was great. Uh, Baron Corbin, they take it outside, and you know, Baron Corbin with the massive uh, backdrop driver onto Wesley outside ring. This was uh, some serious. Oh, yes, yes, deep deep six. It was a deep six, a massive deep six outside the ring onto now it was four inches of uh you know very high-tech foam but on top of that uh, below that foam is hard concrete and this was a massive massive uh, deep six beautiful you know so it was kind of like a backdrop driver it was actually a backdrop now 
it is Baron Corbin. He's 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 got the mind. He's he's got his mind in the game. I mean, he thinks offense. He thinks about wrestling. It is like you can tell. Tells you can tell because his moves are his moves. He's just not going with the trainers. Hey, that's what we do. We're gonna do this and this and this. Cor Corbin. He uh, he grabs uh, Wesley. He starts spinning him around with with his arm, and then he comes around with a massive lariat, spinning Wesley around in circles. Just a gorgeous, gorgeous move. I was shocked. This move match just like uh, huh. you couldn't put this anywhere but the end because this was a great match. And they started with uh, a massive tag team championship match. So here we go. What turns things around in this match for uh, Wesley Corbin pulls a perfect. Otis by charging directly into the ring post like a so you know um there here's the thing also uh after that they fight outside for a bit Wesley takes his uh anger out on Baron Corbin you know on top of the commentating table and then with a now Wesley shows you know he is one of the greatest high flyers out there period one of the greatest wrestlers, period. Wesley with a massive top rope missile dropkick that comes down almost vertically. It, it was incredible. He like stomps down right on Corbin. Beautiful, beautiful. This match was great. Um, the, end up, the end of the match was questionable, of course. The end of the match is this. Um, Corbin sets up on the second rope. Wesley is giving him a super kick. You know, big, uh, you know, Inziguri-style kick to the head. Corbin falls right off the ropes there, outside the ring there. Wesley decides to do a, a massive tope. I believe like a tope palanche over the top rope. When he does that, it is Dirty Dominic Mysterio. He said he'd have uh, Baron Corbin's back, and he did. He pushes Baron Corbin out of the way, and he gets sat on by uh, Wesley. Crushes Dominic Mysterio. And that gives, uh, you know, they fight outside a bit, you know. Wesley takes out some Dominic. But anyways, by the time Wesley gets in there, gets back in the ring there, um, it's uh, Baron Corbin waiting for Wesley, gives him the massive, you know, end of days uh, flatliner. Now, he tried this earlier on, but uh, Wesley broke out of it. He countered the, uh, the end of days before. But this time, it is a serious ends of day, and it is Dunzo, Dunzo for Wesley. Baron Corbin with a huge victory. And I think a huge thanks to, uh, you know, Dominic Mysterio. You know, he's, he's really stretching out. Who knows? Perhaps uh, Judgment Day can be the ultimate team. Not only, uh, what's that, uh, um, you know, Drew McIntyre being in uh, Judgment Day, Baron Corbin. <sighs> imagine, imagine this faction in terms of faction. Okay, so Baron Corbin starts beating up some Wesley after the match. And then we got ourselves Ilya Dragunov. Now, he didn't quite have Wesley's back when it mattered. But then after a match, it's okay. To, uh, uh, no insult injury. It's Dragunov time. So he runs in there. Now, it gets dangerous for Baron Corbin. Now, Wes, uh, it is Dragunov. He gets, uh, he gets behind uh, Corbin and he gives him a German release suplex. German release suplex. Corbin, now... Corbin, uh, now this is what a uh, rookie would do when you're taking a bump. You'd try to break your fall with your arms. Break your fall. You know, the, the problem with breaking your fall with your arms, you could break your arms. You could break your arms 
by putting your arms backwards and try to break your fall. Yeah, you can uh, dislocate your elbows. You can break your arms. You can, there's some nothing good can really happen with that. You know, you take a bump like a regular person, just slap regardless. So uh, other than that, he takes that bump there and Dragonoff goes sets up for his uh, torpedo Moscow. But instead of a torpedo Moscow, it turns to a torpedo stupido. Because he is caught into the ends of days. And then flatlinered. Pow, pow! That's a dragon off taken out. Taken out just like that. And then humiliated after. Baron Corbin grabbing that belt and smooshing it right into Dragonoff's face. Smooshing it in his face. Baron Corbin, you know, he's doing some incredible work, incredible work in this NXT. I'm, I'm shocked. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of shocked, actually. You know, Baron Corbin, he's uh, quickly becoming uh, a top star. Again, top star. But I, there's no other way to put it. Dragunov challenges. You made a big mistake. I will challenge you. So this could be it. Corbin could be the man, the man, officially of NXT. So it looks pretty good. Uh, Corbin, wow. Nothing but good things to say about Corbin now. Mm -hmm. I've jumped on a fickle wagon. So yeah, that wraps up for this week's episode of the NXT. Now, for our podcast listeners, stay tuned for after this break. We'll have some uh, SmackDown for you. But for our YouTube audience member, please... Stand by for, uh, uh, actually stay tuned. Or This is it for today's episode, I should say. This is it for today's episode for our YouTube listener. You know, uh, stay tuned for another episode for another time. I've been your host, Lip Hayeswood, for a Live Wrestling Show saying, I'll see you later. This just in. It's time for the wrestling show to take a very cynical look back at representing the WWE and live from the Ford Center in Evansville, Indiana. It's Friday Night Smackdown. Air date, November the 17th, 2023. This episode is the road to uh, the Survivor Series, the home of War Games. So, Let's go in. Uh, one, two, one, two, three. Lip really loves wrestling. He likes to talk about it too. If you like to watch wrestling like he do, come and join us on the wrestling show. On the wrestling show. On the wrestling show, oh, oh, baby. Well, Bo. Well, Bo. Welcome to the wrestling show. I'm your most fickle host, <clears throat> Lip Hazlywood, and this is a very cynical look back at the latest episode of Friday Night Smackdown. But before we dive into the show, just a quick shout out to the non-competitors. That's right, they are the glue that holds the building together, the foundation of the building too. They are very important. First and foremost, representing the general manager, it's uh, Mr. N.W.A. himself, Nick Aldis. 
Next, getting all the pre-match interviews and backstage scoops, it's usually a team, but today they don't have anybody there today. So we go into the ring, letting everybody know, uh, the ring announcer, letting everybody know who's about to fight and results of such matches. It's the Mike Rome. And of course, the most important part, it's the commentary crew, the play-by-play guys, the hosts, and I even call them the narrators of the whole damn show. They're the team, a three-man team. Now, last week, it was, of course, uh, Corey Graves taking last week off to be with his wife, Carmela, who's delivered a beautiful baby. So he's there with his family, you know. And uh, last week, it was Kevin Owens taking over the commentating duty, but he got suspended last week for attacking Grayson Waller and, you know, uh, Austin Theory. So this week, we got ourselves a new commentator taking over for Corey Graves and Kevin Owens. It is, oh, you didn't know? You ass better call somebody! It's... Road Dog, Jesse James. Now, Road Dog, he's known for his voice, but today, I guess, uh, when he got call, maybe he got, he was partying too much, or maybe someone had punched him in the throat earlier on today. But uh, it looked like he was struggling, struggling with the talking. Anyways, backing up, or carrying, Road Dog today, it is, of course. Corey Graves refers to him as KP, but we all know him as uh, the very enthusiastic Kevin Patrick. And rounding off the three-man team, it is the longtime veteran of well over 25 years. It's uh, Michael Cole. So without any further kadoos, let's get started with the show. And we start off big, damage control big. Now damage control has uh, uh, gotten larger now. Two more members have joined Damage Control. So we got ourselves an original three. It's Bele, Eosky, and Dakota Kai. No. And of course, they're met up with uh, Kari Sane and Asuka. <clears throat> I'll go to the ring there. Now, it's uh, Bailey talking to talk about uh, the new and improved Damage Control, the most dominant women's division, women's group in the, uh, the you know, SmackDown. But here's the thing. The women's division in SmackDown is, is pretty, pretty, pretty bad. There's not many women in SmackDown, you know. And I say this is because uh, Damage Control is almost, almost one half of the roster is in Damage Control. So it's kind of weird that. So anyways, now here's the thing. Um, it's this group here. They, they first they call out like there's, uh, I guess it's, uh, you know, Asuka. She starts talking about some stuff. In Japanese, and it's the Kari Sane and Eos guys so are they grouped together like oh they're like a group like they're like a, a separate island of their own. Um, Dakota Kai, who apparently is from wrestler to translator, so she doesn't wrestle at all. She just does translating, I guess. And she translates a thing that she says that you know what, this is not a whole team yet. Well, one person is uh, not involved with damage control. Who is it? Why? Asuka has never officially been in- introduced into damage control until now. <clears throat> of course. And a challenge, you know, uh, Bianca Belair, Sheriff Flair, and Shotzi to a match at War Games. And before anything can happen, Shotzi runs the ring, just runs into the ring there, and tries to take out damage control herself. Now, we all know, like I say, Dakota Kai, she is, uh, she's just the translator now. So, but still, it is four on one. Come on now, Shotzi. I mean, have a better plan than that. Have a better plan than that. 
because apparently she was on her own. Until, of course, finally, her tag team partners show up. Um, Bianca Belair and Charlotte Flair, they eventually go into the ring there. But uh, by the time they show up, it's a two on, two on, four on two. A four on two. And they get their arse kicked, and eventually they got all thrown out of the ring. Get out of our ring! So right now, damage control. They launch all of them out of the ring. They launch uh, Shotzi, Bianca, and Charlotte right out of the ring. And this is the first time ever, I think, in... Uh, What's that? Damage control history that they've ever taken the ring. Usually, when they're fighting somebody else, they get thrown out, and they're like, oh, they're shaking their fists. Oh, we'll get you next time. Next time. Whoa. Stuff like that. But this is the first time they take the ring. It's impressive. Wow. So we go backstage, and they need a team for uh, war games, and they need it by the end of the night. Really? Nick Aldis gives them a, you know, a, I guess. A, it tells him what, what's what, you know, ultimatum, I suppose you can say. You need to get him by tonight. I'm Nick Eldis. So I guess, yeah, they got a they got a pickle they're in, you know, a little bit of a pickle. What are they going to do? They got to find a tag team partner. And since the women's division is so fleeted, depleted, it's, uh, it's going to be a tough one. So now our very first match of the night it is a triple threat tag team match for the number one contendership to, uh, you know, the, the, I guess, number one champions, which are, <laughs> you know, the Judgment Day. And that's uh, Finn Balor and Damien Priest. And speaking of the tag team champions, they're not even there tonight. You know? Um, and they haven't been in SmackDown for a good while. Good couple of weeks haven't been at SmackDown being champions. And speaking of who's also not there as champions. It's Roman Reigns. Takes another week off. Mm -hmm. Two weeks on, two weeks off. But I can see him, see him taking more weeks off. It's what he does. He takes weeks off. Because he's uh, an absentee champ. So now here we go. This match. Now, I say this. A regular triple threat match is uh, complicated on its own. Because it's considered a no rules because there's three people in the match, so it's uh, no disqualification, really. So then they can start using weapons and stuff. It becomes a big fiasco. It's a lot of fun. You know, it's like it becomes a stunt show, really, for the crowd to watch. And I thought, wow, this is a, you know, three teams in this. Like a triple threat tag team. So it's going to be three people in the ring at once. So I'm thinking, okay, so what rules are you going to use in this? Your standard six-man tag rules, where then if you, you can tag in an opponent, and they can have to go in the ring. You know, or your opponent can blind tag somebody else in, you know, uh, blind tag himself in from a from an opponent. But this match here was not only did they keep it disqualification free, so it was clean. You know, they didn't use any chairs, any illegal objects. It wasn't used. It was a, they treated this match, the triple threat match, as a regular tag team match with the third person in the ring. I thought, wow, that's interesting. So they can only tag themselves, their own tag team partner in and out. So I'm like, wow. That's interesting. Now, with regular, like, uh, SmackDown or Raw tag team matches, regular tag team matches, tag ropes really don't matter. Yeah, whatever. But this one here, I think they all been through the NXT ladder, NXT ranks. So the tag ropes actually were used and used a lot. And this was clean. And this was not just clean, but they made it entertaining and they made it uh, competitive. This was 11 and a half minutes. I was like, wow, wow. A good match. 
Now, watching the match in the back is, of course, uh, you know, he's uh, Bobby Lashley watching his Street Profits. And I usually think that, well, well this could have been recorded anywhere because uh, usually they're just watching a, uh, a square uh, with a uh, green screen in it so they can record it anytime and, you know, play it anytime they want and put anything on what they want on it at the time. Anyways, is he really there or not? We'll find out later. So in this match was so clean, so crispy clean that uh, there was a move in a match where it could be construed a tag in a regular tag team match where Elton Prince is about to be uh, either atomic dropped or back body drivered by Bobby Lashley at the, the, what's that, pretty deadly corner. And Kit Wilson grabs the legs and throws them down. Now that would be considered a uh, blind tag to some people. But this match did not consider that because he was not holding the ropes. So this match was, like I say, I'm like, okay, okay, that's interesting. Because right after that, they tag out. You know, Elton, Kit Wilson tags in. You know, and tag rope was used. Like I say, this was clean. This was really damn clean. And put together too. Uh, now, there was double teaming in there, obviously. We had the Beats of the Balor of, uh, you know, 10 Beats by the uh, Brawling Brutes, the decaying Brawling Brutes, who were in there with the, the Street Profits as well, Angel Dawkins and Montez Ford. So a big triple threat match. And this was, yeah, like I say, I didn't say that before, the Street Profits versus the, the, street profits versus, versus the Brawling Brutes versus Pretty Deadly in this big match. So three uh, big teams. I just can't get enough with uh, how great this match was. Almost match of the night. Butch, even everybody's outside the ring at one point. Butch does a, like a, what's a moonsault backflip off the second, not, not the uh, apron, not the first rope, but the second rope. That's right. Now, Butch, once he did on the third rope, he thought, nope, that's too dangerous and too scary. Anyways, he crushes down on, everybody's there to catch him, you know. Um, the Street Profits and the uh, Pretty Deadly, all there to catch him. So he could have went higher, bigger, but he didn't. But that's okay. That's all right. Second ropes is like, hey, you went off the ropes. Good for you. So here we go. Inside the ring here. This is a close to the end sequence, near the end sequence. Um, so we got a big finish. We got uh, Rich Holland on the second ropes. Massive, mediocre suplex on uh, Kit Wilson. Elton Prince blind tags himself in, legally. And then when that happens, uh, Kit gets hit with the suplex. He rolls out of the ring there. It's Montez Ford on his side. He goes off with the on top rope with a huge frog splash. This frog splash was from the heavens. This was beautiful. Like he was dropped out of a chopper. He was, uh, you know, paragliding. This guy was, I would say, two-thirds across the ring. Just cleared that. Just to crush Rich Holland. He hits. He falls off there. And then, before you know it, it is... Uh, Elton Prince with one massive leg drop. Beautiful leg drop. I say the leg drops are the worst for your body because you're landing directly on your spine and that is what you need if you want to walk. But anyway, see, leg drop, big leg drop on Reggie and you think it's over, but no, it's not over. Butch comes in there and saves the day. Now, while he's saving the day, we go backstage again. It's with uh, Bobby Lashley. He's distracted now. It's with uh, B-Fab. She wants to have a little more, some personal time with Bobby Lashley. Because, you know, obviously, it's uh, it's at the hit row is pretty much done for. Not pretty much. They're done for. So it's time for B-Fab to move on. And I think this is the next logical step for B-Fab is with uh, Bobby Lashley in his private party. Anyways, inside the ring, 
things get all jumbled up. The big ending is still continuing. Rich Holland's tagged in there, and uh, um, he tries to do some stuff. And Butch accidentally, instead of kicking uh, Elton Prince, he kicks Rich Holland directly in the face. Big bro kick, right to the face. Oh, was that on purpose? Who knows? Accidents happen. After all, every time they have a segment together, the Brawling Brutes, it's always uh, Butch pushing around or trying to push around Rich Holland. So anyways, I'm the damage, well, you know, the Brawling Brutes, they're falling apart anyways, you know. When's the last time Sheamus has been around? It's been many, many, many months before we've seen the head of the uh, Brawling Brutes around. Anyways, Rich Holland gets kicked in the face by Butch. He goes down like a sack of potatoes. And then it's Elton Prince throwing out Butch from the ring like a sack of potatoes. And then it's Montez Ford throwing out uh, Elton Prince from the ring like a sack of potatoes. So now it's a 2-1-1. Montez Ford, Angel Dawkins versus Rich Holland. Rich Holland gets taken with the the revelation. The revelation, which is the finishing move, which is uh, Angel Dawkins has the spine buster. And uh, Montez Ford goes with the the, uh, the flying neckbreaker, the neckbreaker uh, combo, which is a nice one. And they take out Ridge Holland loses. And this match was really good, really good match. I appreciated it. And then Bobby Lashley comes out, so it wasn't pre-recorded. He was actually there watching the match. He comes out there, and uh, I guess he's there with his team that just won the big match. Celebrating with them. But however, we deal with the uh, brawling brutes. Rich Holland is all upset. He had it up to here, apparently. I don't know. So Rich Holland, he turns his back on Butch walking out. Uh, I'd say uh, it's not quite, I don't think the brawling brutes are done yet. They're uh, either A, they're going to come back stronger than ever regroup with a different team like with uh i don't know tyler Bate, butch and rich holland make the team maybe tyler Bate can be the schwami that holds the team together who knows i think it's not quite done with the brawling brutes yet but you know what it's i think it's done with uh shamey though slim shamey sheamus anyways moving on we go backstage it's uh bianca belair trying to recruit the team for uh War games, and they go to meet Mia Yim, Michin. And then uh, as soon as she leaves, she gets attacked. A four-on-one. Of course, four-on-one, because uh, Dakota Kai, she can only translate now. That's all she is. So she gets the old beatdown. Four-on-one. They got She gets stomped a mud hole. Now she can't compete. She gets, I guess she gets put in the hospital. She gets broken bones. It's so she gets stomped. So now she's too injured to compete in the uh, the war games. Even though they can easily get uh, healed by war games. Regardless. So then we go backstage, which is very interesting. It's an interview with uh, Dragon Lee and Nick Aldis. And Dragon Lee is very upset with uh, Santos Escobar for uh, what happened between Santos Escobar and Rey Mysterio and the LWO. How he, uh, you know, turned his back on Rey Mysterio. But I think it's Rey Mysterio turned his back on Santos Escobar. You know? And Santos just treating, uh, or Rey treating Santos just like Dominic, I always say that. But anyways, so he's upset with uh, Santos. But however, for disrespecting Rey. So he's calling that disrespect. I find uh, a Dragon Lee in the same position as Santos, like uh, a little while ago. 
Santos worshipped the, worshipped the ground of Rey Mysterio would do anything for him. So this is exactly the same position uh, Dragon Lee's in that uh, Santos would have been in. So he wants revenge. But however, we come down to something that uh, I guess uh, Nick Aldis, he decides to make a match he, to bring in, um, what's the name? Axiom. So it comes down, he, it's laid out like this. Axiom is expected. He's expected to lose in this match. Because Dragon Lee is supposed to send a message to Rey Mysterio and the rest of the world. What Lucho Livre is all about. Now he's not wrong about that, but you know what? It's, uh, wow. So you already know Axiom's going to lose a match because he pretty much laid it out like that. It's like, well, you know what? Uh, this is your chance, you know? Or is that a setup? But no. Yeah, it's it's kind of weird that they did set that up. Axiom, one of the great one of the greats of NXT. Anyways, he is still NXT, you know. So we move on. We move on. And it's the match between, uh, the match between Dragon Lee and Axiom. Now this match was, in my mind, the match of the night. This was Dragon Lee. I think Dragon Lee, he's a championship. He's a championship material. Hands down. Dragon Lee is worthy of a champion. He, when he fights, he puts 100% in all his matches. He does not skimp with the moves. He's, he doesn't play it safe. He doesn't, you know, he puts in 100% in his shows. His matches are his, his bumps. He challenges himself. It's like challenging himself with how, how dangerous of a bump he can do and his moves, how, how far he can push the limits. And as you can tell, everything you can you can just feel his wrestling ability. It's great. Now, uh, Axiom, also another top tier performer. He would do he would lay it all on the line, lay it all on the line. Sometimes a little bit dangerously, you know. But he's got big mind, big thoughts, and for big aspirations for the future. This match, like I say, match tonight, about ten minutes, Whew. a lot of back and forth. Now we all knew Dragon Lee was going to win, you know, he did, but. It was Axiom putting on one hell of a fight, showing each one of these wrestlers showing what they can do in the ring. It was really good, really good. Early on, Dragon Lee with a massive tope suicida right over the top rope. I say this is the most complex, uh, technically skilled ref move to do. Over the top rope, tope suicida. And he crushes Axiom out there. Now, not to be outdone, Axiom has this uh, move as well, although it's a uh, moonsault. He jumps up to the top rope and with a massive moonsault, he launches himself. Now, it was kind of scary because way he landed, landed kind of funny. Looks like he might have twisted his knee. He can he can barely stand up for a second. But I thought, oh, oh, oh my goodness, is is Axiom done for? Is he done for? But no. Axiom is a professional. He wasn't too injured. He ended up walking it off, I guess. And he literally walked it off. Now, they fight on the top rope. Um, now, this is the uh, Alberto Del Rio, his stomp, corner stomp, where someone's sitting in the corner. Now, here's where it gets really interesting. Dragon Lee, they're fighting on the top rope there. You know, Axiom gets up there, he's, and he gets pushed off. He's, so he's sitting down on the ropes, and he gets pushed down. His Dragon Lee, I mean, it's Axiom's leg was caught in the ropes. Dragon Lee's mind is so quick, and he thinks so much wrestling things, and he understands what's going to happen, what could happen. Someone could get hurt here. So quickly... Axiom unhooks, uh, you know, Dragon Lee unhooks Axiom's leg from the ropes and then uh, does his double stomp down. I'm like, wow. You know, it was a quick thing, but uh, that was quick thinking because, yeah, that could have been bad. That could have been a bad situation for Axiom, you know. He'd be injured and be treated like a kid somehow. 
So anyways, Axiom, he gets back in the match and he has one hell of a standing drop kick. A standing drop kick, which looks like a lot of people, looks like uh, what I guess Becky Lynch would look like going off the third rope, top rope drop kick. This is as high as a Becky Lynch top rope drop kick. He's, he gets top rope height. You know, his butt, top, it, incredible. It looks like he could have been standing, could have stood on top of uh, Dragon Lee. Amazing skills, amazing athleticism. This match was, yeah, great. Now, Dragon Lee, he bring, I guess they're bringing back the old, uh, you know, the Brain Buster. The Brain Buster suplex, which is the most dangerous of suplexes. It can go wrong. You can land on your head and that's it. It's done for. You're done. You're donezo. But only a high-skilled wrestler can take these massive bumps. And Axiom takes a Brain Buster. A beautiful, high-on-the-shoulders Brain Buster. Mm-hmm. This match, yeah, this match was tatted everything. Now, we had this move where uh, Dragon Lee tried to powerbomb Axiom. Axiom counters it with the Canadian Destroyer. The Canadian Destroyer. I couldn't, I'm like, what? Wow. Um, yeah. What's that? Uh, Dragon Lee takes a serious ass bump. Beautiful, beautiful bump. This was, like I said, beautiful move. Yeah. Now, and with the so roll up. Um, Dragon Lee tries to roll up uh, Axiom. Axiom kicks out. Dragon Lee picks him up. One arm power bomb. Throws him down. It was incredible. Yeah, I'm a big fan of this match. This was huge. This could have been easily been a match of the night. I mean, it is match of the night, but it could have been the main event match. Should have been a main event match because this was so much skill. So much. Uh, bravo. Anyways, Dragon Lee goes for the power bomb and goes for the pin with his, his feet on his shoulders. A proper pin from a powerbomb. Axiom kicks out. Match goes on. Axiom gets caught with the flying knee lift. Just just like uh, he's, uh, Cedric Alexander got hit with it. Just knocks him for a loop. Beautiful, beautiful knee lift. And finishing with his, uh, his uh, what's that? Inverted DDT. He does a spinning, uh, what, like a 450 DDT, where he runs up and he gets, uh, yeah, he goes to 360. Yes, crushes Axiom. And it's, it's, I believe it's the uh, Operation Dragon. He calls it Operation Dragon. Not sure if I like the name, but it doesn't matter what I like or not. But he calls it Operation Dragon, his finishing move. And after that, we got some explaining to do. It is uh, Legado del Fantasma. Although I'm the only one saying that right now. It's Santos Escobar. No, he is uh, Legado. And he's out there and... Uh, you know, he needs getting some massive heat. I guess if you backstab Rey Mysterio, you get some serious heat because people just love Rey Mysterio. I'm, it's weird, but uh, he's he's beloved apparently, really beloved. So it's he's got uh, he's got some a message for the audience for everybody. He says, "Never meet your heroes." Um, now, of course, he talks about uh, Santos talks about Rey Mysterio being his hero since a childhood. You know, always looked up to him. You know, uh, he took him up as a, a hero, a father figure. But it comes down to it. Dominic Mysterio was right. He's an absentee father. He doesn't care about you and he cares about himself. It's only about himself. Because he tried, he put together LWO. You know, Santos Escobar put together LWO to revitalize his group. And then, of course, like I say, Rey Mysterio made it about himself. He throws uh, basically uh, Carli uh, Carlos, Car you know, uh, 
the Carlos, uh, you know. Uh, what's that? Uh, Carlito. So he's Carlito over him. And he's very upset over the whole thing. You know, uh, Cosma, well, he really, after the, he, you know, he was attacked. Santos Espar attacked Rey Mysterio last week and, you know, just crushed his leg. And he's in a hospital right now. And uh, Santos wishes Rey Mysterio the worst of luck. And hopefully your, your leg might get amputated and you never come back. He calls him selfish, trash. And, uh, of course, we got ourselves uh, Zelina Vega and uh, the rest of, uh, you know, uh, Legado del Fantasma walking. You know, Cruz del Toro and Joaquin Wilde, the OGs of the group. And then we got ourselves a little bit of a confrontation. Zelina Vega comes out to the ring finally. She had enough of the, the talking about the disrespect of uh, Rey Mysterio, or she figures it's disrespect. And she ends up slapping because, you know, uh, Santos Escobar said, had enough. to like, oh, get out of here. Get out of here. You're done. I'm not through with you. You know, you know, we are done, so to speak. And he slaps him in the face. And she cries. She leaves. She's all bawling her eyes. Boo, the family. <laughs> and then we got ourselves Cruz del Toro and Joaquin Wilde come to the ring. And they console Zelina Vega. And, uh, you know, Santo Cespar gets, Whoa, you made your choice then and there. And basically, it's uh, called, I think it's true right now, um, Cruz del Toro and Joaquin Wilde, they're, uh, they're like the, uh, you know, um, what's that? Uh, the Lucha House Party. You know? Um, you know? Del Rito. You know, and... Uh, Lindsay Dorado, and uh, you know his partner there. Can never freaking remember his name at the time. But anyways, they can. Uh, they're like them. They're like uh, they got great talent, but they're underutilized and they don't do anything anymore. And he calls him dead weight. You know, Grand Matalik, and uh, you know, um, yeah. So anyways, um, yeah, my mind's going to every record now. Okay, okay, so anyways, inside ring, it's, uh, um, you know, uh, what's that? Central Sassoir, pretty much getting rid of dead weight. He's, you guys are dead weight. You guys are useless. You know, so he sends him off. Just get some, just get some out of the ring there. So Central Sassoir going on his own, carving his own path. You know, before he carves his own path, however, um, when, when, uh, with Cruz del Toro and Joaquin Wilde, they turn their back and walk out while they get attacked. And you get stomped on. No surprise that there won't be any fight put up. Two on one. You think two on one, the two would get the upper hand. But, uh, you know, Joaquim and Cruz get their ass stomped in. And then, of course, Carli uh, Carlito comes in. And uh, Santos Espar escapes. And he's just like last time he left the ring, like, I'm out of here. Adios. You know. Serenara. So he leaves the ring, and he leaves through the, uh, you know, announce uh, the, the uh, timekeeper's area into the ground. So next up, we got ourselves a very big match. It's uh, Grayson Waller versus Cameron Grimes. Now I figured uh, Cameron Grimes will, in fact, lose this match. Because it's Cameron Grimes. He's got, he's, there's no direction for Cameron Grimes. You know, they, they, he's not in no, any storylines. They, I mean, when he left NXT, he left losing. You know? 
and they he just he was just basically he was doing nothing in NXT before he went to the main roster. And now he's really doing nothing here. Um, so let's see if he can just be a good match because we all know. Well, like I say, Cameron Grimes, Cameron Grimes is going to lose his match. It's just a matter of how. So watching this match, joining ringside, not just ringside, but commentary. It is uh, Grayson Waller's friend and tag team partner, Austin Theory. So he joins the ring there, and uh, it's some good banter there. Austin Theory's not a fan of Michael Cole, and he makes sure that everybody knows it. So this match here goes on. Now, Grayson Waller, he's his old finishing move was a he rolls in the ring there with either a stunner or a flatliner. You know, usually it was the first thing was a stunner, then he turned into a flatliner. So right now he rolls in the ring, he throws the uh, rolling stunner, rolling flatliner, hits uh, hits the, uh, you know, Cameron Grimes with it. Now I thought, oh my goodness, is it over now? But no, Cameron Grimes kicks out, so this is no longer a finisher for uh, Grayson Waller. So like, wow, that's interesting. Let's change up his game. Now Grayson Waller or Cameron Grimes, he does this amazing move. It's the uh, he picks you up for a. Uh, World's Strongest Slam, and he uh, pendulum swings you around for a sidewalk slam. It was really nice looking. Really nice pendulum sidewalk slam. You know? So here's the thing. It's, uh... What's that? Grayson Waller, he rolls out of the side of the ring there. Austin Terry tries to help up, but he gets kicked in the face. He gets kicked in the face for all his worries. For all his troubles. It sure does help a lot. So, he gets kicked in the face there, but, uh... You know, Cameron Grimes was his eyes were off the prize, and by the time he sees what's going to happen, Grayson Waller grabs his leg. Now, Cameron Grimes is standing on the apron. You know, when he kicked uh, Austin Theory in the face, then he gets leg pulled and thrown. He gets a back, does like a, a a flip, and just lands hard, baby, on the hardest part of the apron. They slide back in the ring there, and then finally, Grayson Waller pulls out the uh, he calls it the uh, what's that? Uh, the Dingo Driver, you know, which is basically a front bump unprettier. The greatest unprettier ever. Now, Christian Cage designed the unprettier. You know, I mean, it's a standard. He just rolls you backwards. He hooks you back to back. You know, he does, he does a flip backwards, you know. The way he hooks you. He hooks you like, you know, double underhook. Anyways, he does, he just flips you back. Anyways, this one here, he does a full front flip over you. This is the greatest move. One of the greatest moves out there. It's beautiful. And it's called, like I say, Operation... You no, know, it's called the uh, Dingle Driver. And that's the finishing move. Whammo! You know, Cameron Grimes hits the mat with his face, and that's it for the match. Um, Grayson Waller with the obvious win. Cameron Grimes loses, because, uh, you know, Cameron Grimes is doing nothing, really. Nothing happening for Cameron Grimes. He's got to find... He's got he's to get himself. Maybe he's got to use some of his own money after his, his millions, according to the gimmick. He's got uh, millions. He's rich. So he might still hire his own uh, creative team. <laughs> Anyways, moving backstage, we see uh, a little bit of Bianca Belair trying to recruit somebody else with her team. And it's the petite one herself. The petite one, Zelina Vega. No. Wearing her, oh, her boots are hilarious. <laughs> they look like the ultimate Uggs. You know, she's got like uh, a nine-inch Ugg heel on it. It's hilarious, you know. Because she's so tiny, she needs as much lifts as she can. Anyways, beside the point. She gets asked to be part of the team, and right after, soon as Bianca Belair leaves, she gets attacked. You know, four on one. You know, I believe it was uh, Dakota Kai uh, translating exactly what uh, Io Sky, uh, Kari Sane, and uh, Asuka was saying when they're beating her up. 
And of course, uh, Bailey was doing the beating up too. So yeah, that means also, you didn't see any of that. You just see her laying down. Because, you know, she's probably already injured. You can't see the beat down. So anyways, Selena Vega can't join the team either. That's almost everybody. So now we go into the ring there. And it's with uh, Paul Heyman, Solo Skoa, and Jimmy! Jimmy, Jimmy! Jimmy Uso. You know, the first person to turn her back on uh, Roman Reigns. You know, you're too bossy. Yeah, we need a new tribal chief. So anyways, so it's uh, Paul Heyman laying down uh, what's going on. Uh, calls out improbitude, impromptu. Um, promptitude acknowledgement ceremony promptitude acknowledgement ceremony uh, because for the winner of crown jewel was Solo Sokoa not just winning but collapsing the trachea of uh, you know John Cena now he calls out John Cena he wants to call out John Cena if he's here or not John Cena's not there this evening and he will never appear in a WWE ring again apparently according to Paul Heyman so this is a farewell to John Cena. And then to carry on, this match was, this was uh, segment was definitely a time-filling segment. Time-filling segment. Um, so he starts yapping around about John Cena and getting, you know, throated in a by Solo Skoa. Solo just doing what his job, you know, ending John Cena. And we got ourselves L.A. Knight comes to the ring there. And he talks about, first thing he does, he talks about, uh, well, let me talk to you. And uh, he talks about cause and effect. Roman Reigns is champion only because the bloodline, you know, helps him out. I'd say 95% of the time, you know, Roman Reigns, he needs to help, truly needs to help. And it was acknowledged here that he needs help. So the problem is the bloodline and LA Knight is a problem solver. So... I guess that means is a take out Jimmy and Solo Sokoa and I guess Paul, even Paul Heyman. So right now he's going to start with Jimmy Uso. Uso! Jimmy! So here we go. Here's a problem. Now before the match starts, we go backstage and it is the last resort because there's nobody left. Nobody left in the women's division to, to uh, it's there because it's women's division is so depleted in the SmackDown. So like, what are you going to do now? Charlotte, you got to make the call. Make the call. So now here we go. Uh, we start with the, you know, we go back in the ring there for the match. It is uh, uh, Jimmy Uso versus LA Knight. And this is the uh, main event match. Ten minutes. This was fun. This was a lot of fun. Jimmy Uso versus LA Knight. Now, before the match starts, it is uh, Paul Heyman. He gets a phone call. From, I guess I'm assuming it's Roman Reigns could be anybody maybe his mom um, says uh, well he's cut to go he's got other places to be right now and he takes Solo Skoa with him so yeah it's going to be a legitimate one-on-one -on -one match for the time being this was under 10 minutes a little bit under 10 minutes this was a, this was a, yeah, a match it was fun a lot of fun that's all I can say so now in a ring here now LA Knight has a a, a thing he does you know, a typical move of, uh, um, you know, LA Knight, where he takes you outside the ring and dribbles your head off the commentating table like a basketball. The fans love it. It's hilarious. You know, they all laugh and cheer. 
So he bounced. They spend a lot of time outside the ring there, about uh, 40 seconds outside. You know, at least I think about 40 seconds because uh, they go to commercial break. He bounces his head off. He, he, they're outside. Well, he bounces his head off a long time. And he throws Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Uso over top of the commentating table. And then he poses on top of the commentating table, table, table. And then that's when I thought, oh, I guess we should just go to break now. They're not going to, uh, you know, whatever. You know, who cares about the rules of a regular wrestling match? I mean, you know, LA Knight not once decided to roll into the ring there to break the count, which is probably not even happening. You know, it's so sad. Anyways, now here's a move here. LA Knight's another patented move he does. Now they fight on the second rope there. LA Knight tries to get a suplex off the second rope. But he gets pushed off and then LA Knight usually jumps on the top rope to do a superplex off the top rope, a beautiful superplex. So I thought, is this going to happen? Is this going to transpire? He, they jump on the second rope there. LA Knight gets pushed off the second rope and then he jumps onto the top rope there. But LA Knight gets pushed off the top rope as well. Jey Uso tries to jump off the rope and he misses LA Knight. Now this is the end sequence here now. They scuffle a bit. LA Knight tries to go for the blunt force trauma, doesn't get it. Jimmy tries to go for a super kick, misses the super kick. LA Knight spins Jimmy Uso around, hits him with a blunt force trauma, knocking him out. You know, getting to one, two, three. And after the match, that's when things go upside down. Sol Sokoa jump runs, gets to ringside there. You know, distracts, uh, you know, LA Knight. And then Jimmy Uso attacks from behind. Then they it's a two-on-one. You know, uh, what's that? Jimmy attacks from behind. And actually, you know what? Yeah, it's two on one. They try to put uh, LA Knight through a table. Some bad stuff. But however, LA Knight has some help. Wrestling some serious help. More than one. Royal family. family baby. And this is one of them. Who is it? Uh, better man. From Raw. It's uh, Cody Rhodes. So he went down to the ring. In my bowels, and I think I'm gonna blow. There's a bathroom stall, I'm finally here. The toilet's there, I'm about to blow. I ate five tacos before the show. Shut the door, and I sit down on the floor. Whoa, I was never party trained when I was younger. Anyways, Cody Rhodes. Now he's Monday Night Raw. Now I don't often play his song on SmackDown, but you know when I can, I do. Cause who doesn't love Cody Rhodes' theme song? It's great. Anyways, you can, everybody can sing along to it. So Cody Rhodes comes down to the ring. Oh, and he starts attacking, attacking everybody. He saves uh, LA Knight from a butt kicking of a lifetime. Mm -hmm. Now what's gonna happen? Now uh, you know uh, Nick Aulis. He uh, he says he charges he uh, find um, Jey Uso for coming to uh, SmackDown. Find him like ten thousand dollars. He says. So what's gonna happen? And kicks him out. You know of the uh, of the stadium. So what's gonna happen now? Is he gonna is Cody Rhodes gonna get fined by Nick Aulis? Nope. He just uh, can you please leave now. That's it. But I'm Cody Rhodes. Yeah, well, I'm not finding you. I'm just asking you to leave. You know, no escort or anything like that. So, yeah. 
Nickel just asked Cody Rhodes from Raw to leave. So that's that's nice. And Cody Rhodes, no fine. But today's not over. We got ourselves a problem where uh, we need a uh, final member for uh, War Games with uh, Bianca Belair, Shotzi, and Charlotte Flair. You know, they all head to the ring there, and they, they're going to uh, announce who's going to be part of their team. Who's going to be part of their team? Uh, so Charlotte Flair grabs the microphone. She's talking about stuff, but uh, he has an announcement. You know, uh, a partner. Um, but there's a thing. Um, damage Control comes out to the ring. And uh, why? They're talking about, yeah, it was a big talk, you know. Talk about, uh, hey, you're, there's nobody left here. You're not going to, you're, you're not only not going to make the war games, but you're not going to make it out here live. And then that's where we find our last person in the, in the ring there. You know, their partner comes up. And it's actually uh, Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch joins the team. So it's Charlotte Flair, Bianca Belair, um, Shotzi, and Becky Lynch from Monday Night Raw. That's right. So will, uh, I don't know, uh, Nick Aldis come in there and uh, charge her for being in the wrong show? Because, you know, you just can't call anybody willy-nilly from another show and just like, oh, we need your help over here. You need to have proper authorization by the, the general manager. It's like, listen, we want this. We need we need the so-and-so from the show here. Not on the show. So we got to talk to uh, Nick Aldis and you got to talk to uh, Adam Pierce. You got to set something up to make it legit. But no. It's ridiculous. So we got the big ending of the match. It's going to be a big four on four. You know, damage control um, versus, uh, you know, damage control, of course, being, uh, you know, Dakota Kai, Eos Guy, Kari Sane, Asuka, and Bailey. So they all fight. Big finish there. And then they all fight outside the ring. And then uh, Shard of Flair and Eos Guy, they do their big moves. Asuka does a big on top rope. You know, she's seen what. Uh, um, Butch can do on the second rope. So she goes on the top rope, does a massive moonsault, backflip, crush a little bit Bailey. And the other side's Eos Guy doing her, uh, you know, her moonsault and crushing everybody else. That's right. So it turns out the people standing are Charlotte and Eos Guy looking face to face. And then they, they battle on. They battle on until SmackDown goes off the air. That's right. So big ending to SmackDown, looking forward to the big old uh, Survivor Series, uh, you know, the uh, with, uh, War Games. So anyways, that does wrap it up, wrap things up for this episode of SmackDown and concludes the wrestling show. Now, if you stuck around to the very end of our show, for our podcast listeners, uh, know that I hold a very special place in my heart just uh, for you. But uh, fear not for everybody else, YouTube planned. Stay tuned for another episode of All Wrestling Show. I've been your host, Lip Hazelwood, saying I'll see you on a flippity flop. One, two, one, two, three. Lip really loves wrestling. He likes to talk about it too. If you like to watch wrestling like he do, come and join us. All the wrestling show. All the wrestling show. All the wrestling show. Oh, oh, oh. Baby.